Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So updating what we understand about the... uh, Kansas City Super Bowl celebration shooting. Uh, there was uh, two juveniles and one adult initially taken into custody. The one adult has been released, so it's two juveniles that we anticipate charges against. And uh, there was uh, some additional testimony, eyewitness testimony given to the media yesterday, including a gentleman named Jacob Gooch Sr., who was uh, right near one, at least one of the shooters. He heard, he said on uh, CBS's morning show, he heard a a girl say to a guy, don't do this here, this is stupid. And he also relayed what his wife and daughter who were with him saw. She, she, my daughter said that uh, some lady was like holding him back and people had started backing up and then he pulled it out and just started shooting and spinning in a circle. That's what they said. Yeah, just randomly, indiscriminately shooting at people. Nine children were shot. Thank God all of them are going to live. 22 in all. And and why not say what this is? They had multiple press conferences yesterday. He's a bunch of gang-banging thug teenagers. Well, um, or at least two. Two. Um, that we know of. Um, really, so... So, but I mean, do we have any deeper understanding of exactly what predicated what was described there? I mean, I, I, I look at in in this day and age. I mean, what can shock you? Could somebody be that unrestrained, that um, uh, indifferent to a human life that they just? whirl around and randomly open fire in a crowd over some sort of personal dispute? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment. I mean, it makes me sick. I mean, these people are going to blows at their first instinct. I mean, I just think that today's youth have zero self-control. Well, I, I understand the lack of self-control, but... I mean, I, I'm just, I just, I, I, I need more context here. It just doesn't really. It, it he, 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 he came to the parade with a gun, but without a plan. That's what is being insinuated, right? Right. They both had, they, they both, let's say, this sort of what we can cobble together as the official story right now. They both came to to uh, this place with guns, but they didn't have a plan. They didn't have a plan to confront each other. Something occurred, or maybe they're enemies, and one saw the other, and and 
uh, that was enough. I don't know. And then, again, you know, an eyewitness testimony, uh, notoriously unreliable, Rashomon effect here. But um, if that's anywhere near accurate, we're to believe that uh, a, a girl was trying to hold him back and he took out his gun and started again, w- whirling around, as you heard mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Gooch say, and shooting people randomly in response to a personal dispute with someone else. Animals. Does that, does that, does that sound right, though? Yeah, that does, because I'm in that world. That completely sounds spot on. To this, well, the, to this generation okay. who has no regard for human life, they sit around, they watch video games all the time, and when they're not doing that, they're traveling in groups and robbing people. I mean, not everyone, of course, but the ones that d- disrespect life. That doesn't... <laughs> shooting around with... Yeah. What you uh-huh. learn like, Right. So so hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people or at least tens of thousands of people. I don't know what the crowd size was. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to open fire. For no particular reason. At the um, and it was precipitated by something that's described as personal. Yeah. That makes no sense. Well, it's I'm just sorry. idiotic. Well, what, sometimes you can't explain stupid. And may, this is maybe. So stupid. Maybe. Uh, maybe, but I mean, I just I want more blanks filled in. And of course, because they're uh, the the two suspects in custody are both juveniles. We're not getting any info. Oh, I can't of tell course. you that because they're juveniles. So you know, I mean, I, I, these these things. The un, unfortunately, as if a mass shooting isn't an unfortunate enough event, then of course politics has to to uh, make them more unfortunate. And so I, I, I'm just having a hard time. Um accepting that as the official story and then we're to you know i hope the victims uh recover um you know commiserate with the family that that uh, uh lost a, yeah, a family lisa. member that dj that was killed lisa lopez and she was there with her kids and, and they also got shot by the way and 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 move on i i can't move on with that story i need more Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six da turnkey dot pro text line. And speaking of further making a terrible event worse, let me turn the mic over to White House spokeswoman Karine oh Jean Pierre with her pro pro forma statement about assault weapon bans. Were, were these sport, sport rifles no. were used? Right. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. We've now had more mass shootings in 2024 than have than there have been days in the year. Kind of think about that one. Through executive action and implementation of the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, the president has taken action to keep guns out of dangerous hands by expanding red flag laws, enhancing. (laughs) I I mean, she's you want to talk about stuck on stupid. You just said we've had more mass shootings this year than days on the calendar. Uh, let me oh tell my. you the wonderful success we're having. <laughs> Thanks to President Biden's bipartisan blah, 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 throw money at something. <laughs> I mean, do they even listen to what they're saying? We, we're, the things are chaotic and out of control. Let me tell you how successful we're being in managing things. Okay. Text message, Dan and Amy, are they covering up who they are because they're black? No, they're, I mean, because they're teenagers, they're juveniles. 
Yeah. You know they're black. If anybody's watched the video, the kid's getting tackled. Well, yeah, but mm, um, it, the, 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 I think the larger point is move on. That's that's sort of the feeling you get. Yeah. And yep. and no, I I want more information. You want your answer, Bill and Glen Ellen. Yeah, I think what happened is they saw each other. And the one guy started pulling out the gun. The, the girl told him he shouldn't do it. And then he started shooting. And as he's shooting, the guy's running away from him. And he's spinning to follow him. And he's hitting everybody else besides the guy he was shooting at. I think that's... And it looked like he was just Maybe. spinning randomly when he was actually... You know what I mean? Maybe. That's what it sounds like to me. You know? Maybe. And Thanks for the call, Bill. I mean... With guns that have never been to a shooting range. and have no clue what they're doing. He probably had a, you know, cocked sideways, too, like they do on TV. And they think that's effective. Um, again, though, so, I mean, really, uh, you're around thousands of people and that's what you do. And by the way, if you're, if the, the, the guy you've got the dispute with is fleeing, you're still, I mean, 22 people yeah. or 23, 23, shot. 23, 23 people. Some were missed, too, so we don't know how many rounds exactly were fired. But a lot of rounds were fired, yes. Phil and Maryville. Hey, how you doing, guys? Um, I just want to say we need to bring the death penalty back. It would be a deterrent. And I was listening to Dennis Prager, and he made a good analogy of if, let's say, during the weekdays you committed murder, you would only get a sentence of life, life in prison. Then on the weekends... If you committed that crime and you got the death penalty, that would be a good way to show the difference between the two. So we need to bring back the death penalty and make these punishments uh, harsher no matter what. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks for the call, Phil. The more you listen, the more you listen, the more you'll know. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank, member FDIC, Equal housing lender. Signature Bank. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, big day on the Trump trial beat. Uh, of course, former President Trump was in Manhattan Seeking to get uh, the case against him, that uh, business records case dismissed. That didn't happen. The trial date is set for March 25th there. And I, I keep uh, focusing on this because I think it's the one wild card 
that presents danger for Trump. That is a case, unlike the other three, that right now will be adjudicated, obviously well before the November election, and it is likely that Trump will be convicted because of the nature of the jurisdiction. You know, right. rigged, I mean, for lack of a better description, you call it politicized, I call it rigged, rigged judge, prosecutor, jury pool. I mean, jury pool's going to, they're going to hate him. I mean, look where they're drawing their jurors from. Perhaps you have, you get some participant that has the political bravery to um, not go along with this. But I think if you're booking the probability of it, you have to anticipate that he's going to be convicted. And then how is that going to be received? Because it's not just him being convicted. It's the half a billion dollar saturation bombing on TV and the Internet from the Dems with a simple message. You can't put a convicted felon in the White House. Yeah, and that will be their campaign ad. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. 64636, type in DA, then a quick question. I have a question for you, Dan. So what does a conviction look like? Would he go to jail? Would he just have to pay a fine? What? Well, I mean, that, uh, you know, the, the, you'd, you'd have to look at the particular sentencing guidelines for the particular felony or felonies for which he was con- convicted. So there would be, um, uh, first of all, there would be, yes, uh, you know, you'd have to get a sentencing report right. done, and then there would be a sentencing date set and so on and so forth. Uh, and then uh, there would uh, assuredly be an appeal. And then the question is, is he allowed to um, remain free pending the appeal of his conviction if we're playing out the scenario? And that would be a momentous decision by the trial court in in uh, Manhattan, you know, that alone. So um, a lot of wild cards here, but it but it all focuses around. Trump convicted felon. And then, you know, the other question is, do you get that appeal uh, done before November if you're if he's convicted? And um, is there any way to is there a a legal strategy to get leave to appeal to uh, the federal courts? Because remember, we're in state court with Alvin Bragg in Manhattan. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions there, but but the you know, but the politics of this is, um, well, let me let me just remind people on yeah. this. The feds weren't going to take this case. Right. And then but Alvin Bragg did. Well, 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 yeah. But I mean, that that's all going to get lost in the in the in the okay. politics is this is my point. And, and let's let me just re- remind people these the surveys that came out earlier this month. Uh, Gallup poll found only 29 percent of Americans would vote for a candidate who's been charged with a felony. would vote for someone who's been convicted of a felony crime by a jury. Bloomberg News Morning Consult poll, 53%. I mean, I I understand you're saying, well, 29% of Americans vote for a candidate who's been charged with a felony. Well, more than 29% are going to vote for Trump and are doing so right now, and he's been charged with a felony. Right. So the phrasing on these questions matters. I mean, your initial instinct is somebody charged with a felony or convicted of a felony, well, that person shouldn't be in office. But then you have the Trump exception because of the underlying circumstances of these uh, trumped-up, pun intended, indictments. So so I get it. But, I mean, just it, this, this speaks to the point I tre- keep trying to make is do not underestimate the reflex action 
of, and remember who we're talking about, swing voters in swing states, pretty small group. Swing voters in swing states. This won't catch uh, a, a few points worth of them. Uh, who pay, you know, sort of half in, half out uh, consciousness. Um, This won't catch them and say, well, oh, yeah, that's a, I mean, I don't like, remember, a lot of Trump's support is reluctant support. I'm not a huge Trump fan, but the, between inflation and, and the importation of illegals and general incompetence, I mean, we can't stick with this guy, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Trump. That's the move you've seen in the swing state polling, the head to head between Trump and Biden. But that doesn't mean they're, that everybody's enthusiastic and it doesn't mean that people can't be pushed back to say, well, because of this, I guess we're going to have to stick with the uh, big guy. I'm just I'm just saying it has to be addressed. And, and we'll get to what Trump said outside the Manhattan courthouse yesterday to see if you think this is sufficient. I didn't. South Carolina, Washington Post Monmouth poll. 36% of GOP primary voters would want Trump to be replaced as the nominee if he were convicted after winning the nomination. A third of South Carolina Republican primary voters, conservatives generally. Only 62% would vote for Trump if he were convicted and remained on the ballot. Uh, so, I mean, don't underestimate the uh, wild card that this is. and. And and I have grave and, concern, Dan. Well, and think about it too. Uh, the Dems thought about it. I mean, you know, there's some evidence. Why they did it? <laughs> yeah, there's some evidence that it was coordinated from the top, and Trump made that point yesterday. So they 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 know what they're doing, which is why they had this you know rush to the courthouse to see who can be the local star and who can be the star in D.C. And Fonnie Willis and Alvin Bragg took up the local scene and. Of course, Jack Smith in D.C. with the help of Merrick Garland. So here's Trump yesterday outside of that Manhattan courthouse. Give us your assessments. I've heard and read even from legal scholars said there's absolutely no case here. It's not a crime. This is not a crime. And when you look at what's going on outside of the streets, where violent crime is at an all-time high, uh, I think it's a very, very, it's a great double standard. The other thing, this case could have been brought three years ago. There is no case. They decided not to bring it. The district attorney Bragg didn't want to bring it. He said he doesn't want to bring this case. But it's not a crime. We're here for something that is not a crime. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. What it is is election interference. It's being run by Joe Biden's White House. His top person was placed here in order to make sure everything goes right. This is a this is a terrible time for our country. This is a real dark period for our country. His top person, Colangelo and some others, have been placed into the DA's office to make sure they do a good job of election interference. There's never been anything like this in the history of our country. With all of this being said, I look outside, I look at the streets, it's so different from when I left New York. It's so different. It's dirty and it's crime-ridden. And today you walk down the street and you get mugged or you get shot. And they're doing this where literally legal experts, legal scholars said they don't understand it. There's no crime. And there was no crime here at all. So uh, 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. Do you think that is responsive enough to the political environment? 
Oh, I'd love his, to it, know what you would sh- what you think he should have said. Well, I mean, here's here's the two boxes he checked there, as you just heard. Right. One is election interference, which is not an illegitimate claim. And and I think there's a place for that in the messaging. Yep. Um, and particularly against the backdrop of the uh, other story that I still can't fathom why Republicans aren't making a bigger deal of that the entire Russian collusion false flag operation was initiated by the intelligence community. So, you, you know, you don't think that these people are manipulating your elections. Um, it's not just CIA doing it. Nobody cares. I don't get it. They're doing it in real time. They did it in 2016. Um, we had two, you know, almost two thirds of the ballots cast by mail in 2020. I mean, let's let's have a real conversation, adults of America. So the election interference piece uh, definitely has a place. The um, the prioritization argument he made, you know, uh, violent crime running rampant on the streets and we're wasting time and resources by with this criminalization of a civil matter, business records in Manhattan. And he's he's also right about that. But is it enough? I don't think so. I think now that we know he's going to trial uh, and he knows he's going to trial on March 25th, that there is another piece of this required. I've said a couple of times now and I'll say again. Uh, but let's take some calls first, get other people's viewpoints on this. Uh, Len in Highland Park. Yeah, Dan, I wanted to ask you a question. Do you think the feds coordinated with the local jurisdiction to be charged locally? Because if it's a federal charge, then he can pardon himself, and he can't pardon himself on the state charge. Good point. Um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 yeah, probably part of it. Thanks for the call, Len. But... Um, but I mean, also, you just want to run parallel tracks. You know, Fulton County, you've got the the Raffensburger call, and this is the predicate for the uh, uh, racketeering indictment. Uh, again, it's a joke of a case, but but you've got the you you go where the opportunities are present. You've got the salacious Stormy Daniels matter in Manhattan, so you take that up. Um, you, yeah, t- you take care of that stuff locally. We'll take care of the 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 federal stuff, and of course, that's the raid on Mar-a-Lago, the classified docs, and then uh, the insur- the uh, quote-unquote insurrection. So we got our bases covered. And um, we got an election interference case where we say, you know, Trump is the, you know, the projection. Trump inter- tried to interfere with the election, tried to overturn the election, end our democracy in Fulton County, Georgia. He also tried to do it in D.C. There's the narrative. And then, um, you know, these other matters are just about how he thinks he's above the law. Which also speaks to end our democracy. You know, the, these other matters about business records and and, uh, uh, and and the classified documents. He's an autocrat, an autocrat trying to end our democracy by any means necessary. And he tried to overturn the results in Georgia. He tried to overturn the results nationally. He's a madman. That's the and he's a convicted felon now. If you play out the hypothetical we were discussing. Jordan Force Park. Uh, you know, I think a, I think a bigger threat to Trump is that um, by by him and his attorneys insisting that uh, they're delaying all these trials is that now Biden will use most of his ad campaign, you know, his television ads or whatever. He can go right to the indictment, right to the indictments and do ads about what happened. You know, and it's not as if it's just 
normal electioneering, it's indictments. These are sworn statements. And also on the Georgia case, you've got four people that already con- confessed to felonies. So they're going to throw that at him. Maybe a better strategy for him would have been, I demand that these trials be completed before the election. I demand it. Even though maybe you wouldn't think they would be, he could at least say that he tried to get everything done before the election. No, it's just the opposite. I completely disagree. Thanks for the call, Jordan. Completely disagree. These are kangaroo courts. Right. And by the way, um, if he's convicted in Georgia... I mean, you do have Brian Kemp there. Whether Brian Kemp likes him or not doesn't matter. There would be enormous pressure on Brian Kemp to pardon him. Yeah, Yeah, in the state of Georgia. Obviously, the state of New York, it's a bit bit more of a challenge. But anyway, uh, the idea, get all these, first of all, first of all, he can't can't force the timeline. Um, And secondly, why would you want what you know is a star chamber proceeding to proceed with all due speed? You don't want that. Then then you, that you're, you're asking for the branding of convicted of X number of felonies and X number of jurisdictions. Why, why would you want to run into that panzer fire? You want the opposite. And my point is to say, get out in front of it now. Let me tell you, I mean, here, you know, something like this. This was a subject of a commentary I did for uh, Am Greatness, American Greatness, which would be posted today. But. But here's what here's what I wrote. I mean, again, this is, you know, Trump can translate it into his lingo or whatever. Don't get hung up on the uh, the verbiage. Just think about the message. Uh, Look, I'm innocent of these charges, these pardon the pun, trumped up charges. However, the left has created a two tier system where wherever they're in charge and they're in charge in Manhattan and Atlanta and Washington, D.C. One set of laws for, for people who share their politics. And another set for people like me and millions of Americans who don't, because you have to make it about other people besides you. Continuing, this is another instance where they're really coming after you and I'm standing in the way. I want to emphasize this doesn't just apply to me. It applies to conservative Catholics targeted by the FBI. It applies to a pro-life dad in rural Pennsylvania. It applies to hundreds of Americans persecuted for peacefully assembling around the Capitol to petition their government on January 6th of 21. It applies to all law-abiding Americans who've been forced by their government to finance the lives of people who enter this country illegally and to endure the endemic violence sanctioned by governments who refuse to detain, prosecute, and imprison repeat violent offenders, citizens, and non-citizens alike. All of this is to say, if I am compelled to stand trial before the November election in any of these kangaroo jurisdictions, absent unexpected political bravery from some participant in the process, I will be wrongly convicted of a felony. I will be. What you need to know is that to believe any forthcoming conviction is just is to support the injustice perpetrated by leftist politicians masquerading as officers of the court who literally campaigned on getting Trump by any means necessary. You should also know that an unjust conviction will not stop me. In fact, it will only fuel me. We need to end the criminalization of political disagreements just as we need to restore the rule of law over the rule of politics at our border and in our major cities. That is the thrust of my campaign, because only through this restoration of equal protection under the law can we make America great again. Okay, you need to get that to him ASAP. <laughs> Toot sweet, okay? Yes. Well, Please. Yeah. I'll Help us. work my channels. Uh, Mike Highland Park. Morning, Janet Amy. At least Trump is confident enough to stand trial where Biden's already <laughs> been considered 
incompetent and can't stand trial for his crime. Great yeah. point. That That's is smart. so good. Trump should right. say that too. At least, like, at least I'm competent enough to stand trial. Hey, yeah, on the so. way out, you know. Right. I mean, that's there's there's a bumper sticker there, right? Yeah. Uh, not competent to stand trial, but competent to to run America? Question mark. <laughs> Scott and Aurora. Yeah, I got two points. Uh, the first one is I'm wondering what at what what are the stipulations of uh, if they were to take Trump out before the election with all that at what. At what point can you put somebody else in, like a Don Jr. or something, to be able to run for president? And then after you get into that, I got another point, too. Well, I mean, um, it's just like talk, we talked about with, uh, you know, all the theories about Biden and uh, if there was a health event, for example. So it could happen at the convention. I mean, it could happen whenever it needs to happen. If for any reason the candidate can't run, then the party gets together and appoints. It, it could be a floor fight in the convention. It could be... Uh, an appointment by uh, the you know Republican National Committee. I mean, so I just didn't know what the deadline was for that. So. There, I mean, you know, I mean, you have to you have to have uh, contingencies in place. I mean, you know, I mean, look, a, a, a presidential candidate could pass away with you know hours before an election or days before an election, and 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 then you have other complications too. The closer you get with, of course, ballot uh, names being on the ballot that that can't okay. be changed. So it's, it, I mean, it's the timing. Um, you know, creates complications, but there's always a process to make a replacement, uh, you know, given exigent circumstances. Uh, so my other point was, if there was some kind of like a nationwide terrorist attack, I mean, I wouldn't say it's out of the realm because we kind of seen it on a smaller scale with, with uh, COVID. But um, if something were to happen like that, at what point do they not, do they say, oh, we can't have an election and um, we just got to keep Joe in office until we have all this settled down? Because if that's the case, then, you know, everything we're talking about now is almost irrelevant. Well, thanks for the call, Scott. I, I, the idea of uh, suspending the election, declaring some sort of martial law, I mean, look, anything under the sun is possible, but I cannot envision a scenario where that would fly so you know I, I don't know what more to say about it than that dave in bristol wisconsin hi good morning guys um you know personally i don't care if they hit him with the book and give him a hundred felonies uh, i still support him i still think he's the only chance that we've got currently to give us some breathing room to right the ship and I mean, I. That's really it. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Like you said, Dan, the more you go after him, uh, the more you embolden his base, and the more I simply support him. Thanks for the call, Dave. The more you listen, the more you listen, the more you'll know. This is Chicago's morning answer. Morning answer on AM five sixty. The answer. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. 
These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, Signature Bank. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. All right. Uh, we uh, travel from Manhattan. We were talking about uh, the uh, court setting the March 25th or confirming the March 25th trial date for Trump in uh, Manhattan and what uh, Trump's messaging should be. Now we travel down to Atlanta. Oh, I couldn't stop watching yesterday. I tried to tear myself away. It was like, you know, Judge Judy versus Days of Our Lives. It was all intertwined. I was obsessed. Well, it's uh, Fonnie Willis and her paramour Nathan w- Nathan Wade. Um, they're uh, uh, it's a hearing, evidentiary hearing, to for uh, a decision on whether or not Fonnie Willis can continue on the case. And I'd love to hear from um, attorneys out there Oof. about uh, Fonnie Willis's performance. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six da turnkey dot pro text line because. Um, Ooh. I've been deposed before. I'm sure, Amy, you have, too. Uh, many times, yes. Yeah, of course. You're very, very litigious. Yeah. Um, I was in front of a grand jury, too. Were you? No. Okay, um, but um, uh, what, what advice and counsel in prior to those depositions did your attorneys give you about demeanor, about responding to questions from the opposing party? Okay, I was told to control if you're angry, they're gonna they're gonna push your buttons, but you have to control yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to be respective of those asking questions. Don't um, you have to dress properly, <clears throat> Fanny? They do make spanks, okay, dear lord. Oh um, and don't be don't be cantankerous. Don't fight back. Don't snap. And just if you don't know or you don't, you know, you just say I do not recall. Yeah, I mean, um... pretty basic. It was really wild. She's, I, I mean, I, I don't know if she's a particularly good attorney. It doesn't appear that she is. I certainly wasn't impressed with the racketeering case she invented uh, against Trump. And I, I don't know much about her other than that, at least until this star turn that she's got. Well, but the, the performance as a witness was about as bad as you could perform. I mean, she's just... Yeah, she is um, running way too hot. She's way, she's way too combative. She's way too loquacious. She is um, hazarding guesses about things she says, I can't really recall. If you can't recall, you can't recall. That's it. But she thought that this was her show. She was coming in to save her man. That's what she was doing. Because I, I didn't know. think she was going to testify. I don't know about he that. did such a poor job on the witness No, stand. I don't. I, I, well, I so, so uh, okay. So let's separate a couple things. First of all, um, I don't think she was coming in to save her man uh, when she describes him like this. And did the, and the, did the forthcoming indictment have anything to do with that? Ooh. Or was it just a coincidence? 
Mr. Let's go on and have the conversation. I just asked you whether or not it was a coincidence. It had absolutely nothing to do with this. It's interesting that we're here about this money. Mr. Wade is used to women that, uh, as he told me one time, the only thing a woman can do for him is make him a sandwich. We would have brutal arguments about the fact that I am your equal. I don't need anything from a man. A man is not a plan. A man is a companion. And so there was tension always in our relationship, which is why I was give him his money back. I don't need anybody to foot my bills. The only man who's ever foot my bills completely is my daddy. Is there anything else you would like to add to that? No. Sure. But I'm sure we'll talk about it further. No, we're not going to talk about it further. I All right. No back and forth. Let's stay down. Next question. Whoa. So that's somebody coming to save their man? No. They have an aligned interest, but she is... Um... She's just such a political hack. And that uh, little foray was a good illustration of what you got from Fannie Willis. I Actually, I thought Nathan Wade, even though he engaged in a lot of Clintonian, right. what is the definition of a of a personal relationship word uh, parsing? Yep. Um, he was he was congenial. He was room temperature. Um, he, he, he did fine. The problem that they both have and particularly Fonnie Willis, she's the district attorney, is it seems fairly clear that she and they misrepresented the uh, nature and the timing of their more than professional relationship to the court. And uh, look, this isn't me saying it. This is uh, MSNBC's, you know, in-house legal analysts you know, you're on MSNBC to sing for your supper and represent the interests of the left, right? And said she was telling the truth. Well, instead, yeah, uh, you have uh, one criminal defense attorney who said this. MSNBC now is platforming this. It's it's so legalistic centric and yet so important and fascinating. Right. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think... Uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court. It's game over for her. She will be disqualified um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to to the court. It's it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. Yeah, because the bottom line is they said they started dating after she had hired him, where her best friend Robin came in and said, no, they were canoodling and kissing and hugging and had a relationship in 2019. Uh, that was you know, right. And that was dismissed by Fonnie Willis as a one person's word. You know, uh, a federal pros- former federal prosecutor on, M- on MSNBC again said this. Prosecutors have a higher obligation. It's not personal. It's not egotistical. It's not about you. It's about the office and the pursuit of justice. To your point, uh, it might be appropriate for Ms. Willis to consider removing herself from this case now. And turning the reins over to a senior official in the in the district attorney's office, and let him or her handle it, because this is getting ugly and it's getting messy, and my guess is it's not going to get better. Uh, that's uh, great. So if she's disqualified, yeah. does it mean a delay, or will the case be thrown out? No, the case isn't going to be thrown out. I mean, she. I mean, to to uh, the point that that pro- former prosecutor is making. I mean, she could turn it over to somebody senior in the Fulton County DA's office. Doesn't mean the case is over. It just means that she is disgraced 
certainly doesn't help the case either. Jim in Scottsdale, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Best show in all of media, and I listen every day. Thank you. What I want to say is I'm a former uh, judge, and it is the judge's duty to judge the credibility and demeanor of the witness. Mm -hmm. And I have never seen such a witness that was arrogant, rude, defensive, and recalcitrant in a courtroom. I've never seen that before. And being the arbiter of her credibility and demeanor, I would give her testimony no credibility in addition to the fact that most of it made no sense, especially the point where she said she reimbursed uh, uh, her paramour with cash. I mean, that is just so convenient, and I would give her testimony very little credibility. All right. Thanks, Judge Jim. Appreciate it. This is one of my highlights. So basically, they went on five trips in six months. While they're prosecuting a former president. Okay, and this is how this relationship works. And then he tells me how much it is, and I give him the money back. I don't, just like you're asking me about the money with Robin, I don't do my friends like that. Mm. So if you tell me it's a G, then you're going to get $1,000. Whatever it is, I didn't ever make him produce receipts to me. Whatever he told me it was, I gave him the money back. Isn't the characterization. I'm not going to emasculate a black man, but I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm that. sorry, what? I'm not going to emasculate. A black man. Did you understand that? Oh, she was so condescending. Well, that was about like some she she made reference to like cancer that uh, Wade had and this why he couldn't perform anyway. All right. So. uh, Right. And so so that's what she said about the cash. And then uh, this is what uh, he said about getting the cash and where the cash went. You know, nobody has a handle on this cash that's moving around it would seem you go down to the atm with miss willis while she drew out two thousand seven hundred ninety four dollars to pay you in cash that you did that she did you go to the atm with with (laughs) no sir she didn't go to the atm she carried the cash oh and so she would give you the cash did you have a little place in your house where you just stack up all this cash that you apparently got to repay you for these benefits that you bestowed on her Mr. Gillen, if I answered that, I'm putting myself in jeopardy. That by, if I tell the world that I have cash someplace in my home, don't you think that that could be problematic? <laughs> no, I don't. I want an answer as to whether or not you have a little cash hoard in your house where you have allegedly taken the money that you got from Mrs. Willis and went and put it somewhere. Where'd you oh, put it? No, sir. Now, just put it on the hip and kind of walk around money? Did I put it on my hip? And, and, yeah, just and, walking around money where you would spend that cash yourself? Let me finish. Did I put it on my hip in Belize and walk around with it? When you got paid back, would you take the money, the cash that she gave you, and would you just carry it around with you for spending money around town? (laughs) So we have to break down each trip because, for example, for the cruise, she paid me the money before we took the cruise. So I was here, and I could put the money in my pocket or put it away wherever I wanted to do with it. Um, Other trips... She would give me the money there. So at that point, I could either spend it or put it in my pocket or put it in the hotel safe. There's no special place that you would have all this cash that you would be getting from her that you've told us about to to pay back for the benefits that you have bestowed on her? The only special place that that cash would have gone would have been to one of my children. Oh, <laughs> just in time for Valentine's Day. Aww. Isn't that nice? But it's just so, and then she said she always has had cash because her daddy told her that she has to have cash. 
But she even said that she, when she was cash left over from a campaign, like what? She keeps it. In uh, house. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. That, that was unclear if she was talking about taking ca- taking cash out of her campaign account, uh-huh. which is what some people interpret it, or she had she had personally donated camp uh, cash to her campaign, and and so that you because know, she say she 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 took campaign cash for personal use. I, it, that's not clear to me. It sounded like she had made loans to her campaign, and and she was. She regretted making the loan to her campaign. So uh, I let's, not get, let's not get hung up okay. on the campaign finance, right. alleged campaign finance I violation. I just think they're so deep in this lie that they don't know how to get out of it. And I can't wait to see her demeanor and how she's going to act today. Well, I mean, again, um, this isn't her first rodeo. Um, oh, really? When it, when it comes to her ethics being questioned, not her first conflict of interest. She's been admonished by the courts before. Um, using the title of your office and having on social media that you as this political office holder are holding a fundraiser for the opponent of someone that this political office is investigating. Um, I don't know that it's an actual conflict, but um, I use that phrase, what were you thinking? Where the prosecutor thought I could prosecute the co-defendant of someone I defended. It's a what-are-you-thinking moment. Um, The optics are horrific. If you are trying to have the public believe that this is a nonpartisan, driven by the facts, and I'm not here to critique decisions. The decision was made. But if we are trying to maintain confidence that this investigation is pursuing facts in a nonpartisan sense, no matter who the district attorney is, we follow the evidence where it goes and ignore the fact that I hosted a fundraiser for the political opponent of someone I've just named the target. That, that strikes me as problematic, maybe not from an actual conflict level, but if we are at a cocktail party and people are asking, do you think that this is a fair and balanced approach to things? Um, I, I do. Well, how do you explain this? How does one explain? I mean, that, that, that's the concern I'm working through, is that it's not a lowercase a appearance. <laughs> it's like a capital A with flashy lights fundraiser district attorney for the political opponent of someone I've named the target of my investigation, where I'm the legal advisor to the grand jury, and I'm on national media almost nightly talking about this investigation. It, that's problematic. Okay. Uh, so what he's talking about, this is a year ago. Mm-hmm. What he's talking about is uh, hosting a fundraiser for the political opponent of a Trump elector that was the target of her investigation, which ultimately led to the racketeering charges against Trump and associates. I mean, that that should have. She should have recused herself. She never even taken this case. Well, she, she maybe she shouldn't uh, maintain a law license. Maybe the ARDC needs to step in here at some point. I mean, it's it's. You know, en- enough uh, examples of this and you start to, I think, get a fairly clear picture that she's a political hack with a law degree and a, basically a room temperature IQ that is far exceeding her authority and sort of intellectual capacity. I mean, she's uh, an embarrassment is what she is to the legal profession. That's what she that's that's what she displayed yesterday. And she's also displayed it in her uh, personal judgments previously, both with the dis, the relationship with Wade as and the lying about it, it would seem, as well as previous instances like what you just heard a year ago in terms of her her legal judgment, her, 
you know, ethical standards. By the way, she got admonished by the judge to the point that uh, Judge Jim uh, from Scottsdale was making. She got admonished by the judge a number of times and he was yeah. going pretty uh, easy on her. But, you know, at some point he had to formally do it. That's before I had to abandon my home, Judge. All right. And at my okay. home in we'll South Fulton, we'll I never he never came there. OK, so if you don't so, come someplace, you can't live there. So that's going to have to caution us. Going to be my first time out to caution. We have to listen to the questions as asked. And if this happens again and again, I'm going to have no choice but to strike your testimony. So we need to break this down. Mr. Merchant's question, I believe, was uh, asking whether you lived anywhere other than South Fulton. This poor judge is probably like, "What the heck did I get assigned to?" Well, but uh, but uh, no, but also, I'm, I'm saying you're the you're the district attorney. Are you unfamiliar with this process? No, it's like she's her first time ever. Greg in Jefferson Park here in Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, good morning, Dan and Amy. You know, when uh, she was or when she answered uh, to whatever the question was, I would not emasculate a black man, uh, even though it goes against the rule of lawyers. Don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. Uh, the guy should have followed up with, would you uh, emasculate a white man to uh, put her down as the racist pig she is? And depending on how she answers to that, no, I wouldn't do that. Would you emasculate Donald Trump? You know. Yeah. Uh, she, she'd probably castrate Donald Trump. Thanks for the call, Greg. I got to tell you, and then when he was talking, uh, one of the Trump's attorneys was talking about her, her cash hoard, you know, because she was saying, why well, take Would you call me? That she thought that. <laughs> Wait, what'd you, what'd you, what'd you. I fell off the couch. Yeah. Did you just call me a whore? No, she didn't say that. She's like, what? He's talking about a cash hoard. Yeah, uh, yeah. A little Susan. jump, a little edgy there, don't you think, Dan? Susan, Cedar Lake, Indiana. Hi, Dan and Amy. Speaking of the cash hoard, one of the attorneys asked her, so you have this, all this cash laying around the house. Why haven't you used that to pay off your lien? I guess she has a lot of unpaid bills. Oh, oh hey, so hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, Susan? Susan? Okay. My mom said, so you were saying uh, that you had amounts of cash. You still had that lien in 2022 when you were dating Wade and going on these trips. So the cash that you gave him, that could have been used to pay this tax lien off? You gonna tell me how to pay my bills? You gonna tell? No, no. <laughs> you gonna tell me how to pay my bills? No, no, Susan. She's <laughs> an embarrassment, and you know what? Typical government employee. That's all I have to say. Thanks for the call. I'm going to Aruba. I'll pay that tax lien when I get around to paying that tax lien. And then she goes to wine country and drinks Grey Goose. She doesn't like wine. But him. He likes wine. I don't really like wine, to be honest with you. I like Grey Goose. Um, We're talking about Goose. I bought him a bottle of wine while we were there and the sippings that you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The sippings that you do? Well, wine tasting, I think, is what she's I referring know, but to. It's just, she was so, I mean, honestly, she this doesn't was... even know where Belize is. It's Belize. Well, she he also know. said that he was a world traveler and had been on many of the continents. I've been to six. Have you been on any of those continents with him? Um, Besides this one. Uh, where's Belize? What continent is that? I'm not being funny. I don't know. Uh, Let's say with the exception of Belize with him. I've been to the Bahamas with him. I've been with Aruba with him. Don't embarrass me. I'm not sure what continents those are on. Whatever continents those are, that's where I've been. I'm sure if I gave it some thought, I would tell you. But whatever continents those are that I've been to those locations, sir. I mean, it's a um, point. I mean, if, if I if I could uh, to inform the witness, um, 
Belize is North America and yes. Aruba is South America. But um, but that's not the, the point. Is it's just like the the, the running off at the mouth yes. about this stuff. It's just she's so undisciplined. Uh, text from a criminal defense attorney friend of mine. I was in awe as hostile as any witness I've ever dealt with at 26th and Cal. Regardless of the contents of her answers, she was evasive and entitled. She knows she's busted. She's trying to bolster her community support. Yeah, I think that's what she's doing, right? The audience is not the judge. The audience is the larger uh, Fulton County community to put pressure on judge. You don't uh, take, you don't tell Fannie Willis what bills to pay, and you don't take her off this case. But I don't think that's going to work. I mean, again, I, I was, I, I know everybody's focusing on her demeanor, and that's an important part of the conversation, as you heard from uh, our judge friend who called. But but also just her seeming lack of knowledge about legal proceedings. Another example was when uh, they got into this back and forth over whether or not uh, she should be, treat, quote, treated as a hostile witness. And listen to the judge have to explain the um, concept of uh, someone who is adverse to your legal interests as opposed to I think we. Well, have I very much want to be here, so I'm not a hostile witness. I very much want to be. Not here. so much that you're hostile, Miss Willis. It'd be an adverse witness. Your interests are opposed to Miss Merchant's. Thank you. Merchant's interests are, per- are contra- contrary to democracy, Your Honor, not to mine. All right. Let's Judge, proceed. I... Okay. There we go. Enough of the speechifying, young lady. Uh, uh, Text You're message, a- they kept saying, Judge, what happened to your honor every once in a while? Well, <sighs> yeah, I think, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know how she stays on this case. I don't, there's no way. And why is she going back today? I mean, now I have to watch again because I'm addicted to it. Well, I mean, she's fun. She, I'm sure that she'll have more forays and. Um, I put on a girdle. Uh, boy, you're really I'm, focused I, on I that. mean, I honest to God, you, I don't, this is I don't, girlfriend to girlfriend thing. Are you kidding me? I don't you wear th- that where you could see the panties in the back. Oh, like, oh. oh. And the dress Look, zipped up the front. Like, what are you wearing? It, it took me uh, about 12 hours to get over a discussion about Nathan Wade having intercourse. One of those words I don't like. Oh. I mean, do, do we have to talk about uh, Fanny's Fanny, please? <laughs> I know. All right. That's just too, it's too much. Too much. The more you listen, the more you listen, the more you'll know. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Just a postscript on our conversation about uh, the uh, Fawny Willis performance yesterday. Um... So she, she's going to get bounced from the case, would be my guess. But but I really actually wish she wouldn't, because not only is she combative, snide, garrulous, ethically uh-huh. compromised, seemingly ill-informed about basic procedural matters of law. Um, not only is she all of those things that she uh, displayed yesterday, um, but she's a political hack, and... I think it just comes through. I think it oozes out of her. If she was prosecuting Trump and Associates, she'd be a de facto member of their criminal defense team. Oh, talk, yeah. talk about wanting to pick your prosecutor. It's sort of like we've discussed with Joe Biden. Um, hey, uh, everybody on the on the left says Joe Biden's fine. Top of his game. Okay, fine. I'm good enough. I'll, I'll let the people decide. 
You put them out there and let's let the people decide. It, do, do you not want Biden as your opponent? Do you not want uh, somebody with uh, Fonnie Willis's temperament and ability to be your legal opponent, as it were? I do. I would if I was in Trump's position. Oh. Yeah, just a thought. Yeah. I might uh, file a brief to keep her. After that performance, well, I think she destroyed her reputation, but she also destroyed the reputation of her DA's office because they knew that this was going on and they just went along. All right. Uh, well, we need to move on to uh, a few other matters that are afoot, including and this is, um, you know, pronounced uh, after the special election in Long Island, which was secured by the Democrats, as we know. Um, what sort of preparations are being made by the Republican Party now in advance of sort of Labor Day to November election sprint to prevent some of the things that are well documented that occurred in 2020, 2016, and also to uh, set up the sort of infrastructure that's required to get a couple of more points in terms of turnout of Republican voters in swing states like Wisconsin or Georgia or North Carolina or Arizona. In other words, vote by mail programs. Some of the reporting, the postmortem on that special election in Long Island. Yes, the Republican candidate was problematic, not a very good candidate. But but here again, we had the problem of vote by mail program for the Democrats was reportedly much more robust than it was for the Republicans in a special election, low turnout election, and that certainly stretched out the Democrats' victory there, didn't it? That seems to be part of the story. Uh, for more on uh, this topic, and there are many top, many uh, aspects to it, please be joined again by Ken Blackwell, who's a former Secretary of State and State, Tre- State Treasurer of Ohio, also former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations Human Rights Commission. Ken, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Hey, Dan, Amy. Good to be with you this morning. So, so you know, I, I know you've given a testimony recently and you uh, posted on social media about it. So, you know, tell us what your focus is and sort of the assessment of the threat level of of uh, those uh, uh, challenges you see still uh, that still persist with respect to election integrity. Well, you know, the, one of the big differences uh, between 2020 uh, and 2022 is that in 2022 we had more eyeballs on the process. Uh, the left has made a mockery out of transparency, uh, and they've worked very, very hard to advance the concept of uh, making it easier uh, to cheap as opposed to uh, making, uh, you know, the the encouraging people to 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 get involved in all aspects of of the process from poll workers and poll watchers and what we concentrated on in 2022 and we've stepped up our game in 2024 is to re, is to make sure that uh, we're out there recruiting people to be engaged in the process at, at every aspect of it from again poll workers to poll watchers uh, to in fact, uh, people who can put eyeballs on the uh, on the ballot tabulation process that is that is so 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 very important. Uh, and and what we're running into is that if we if we don't encourage that sort of participation, 
this whole notion, this pessimism that uh, it's no use being engaged because uh, the the system is rigged. Well, the best way to make sure the system is not rigged is by getting involved. So that's what we're concentrating on. And the other thing that we're doing is we're going on the offense in terms of lawfare and litigation. Uh, you know, we're involved in some very key litigation across the country. I just uh, was part of a, a team that uh, uh, put together litigation out in Arizona to make sure that uh, uh, there are efforts out there to uh, ban uh, citizens from, uh, uh, you know, to minimize citizens from protecting uh, and, and watching uh, those uh, drop boxes. Uh, we, in fact, are saying, no, we're going to we're going to sue the secretary of state uh, out there to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, non-citizens are not voting. Uh, and when you particularly when you have a border state like that. So that's that's what we're trying to do is to be very aggressive and, and make sure that we're on the side of transparency uh, and making it harder to cheat. Well, is there any way to get rid of drop boxes? I mean, it just seems so fraught with danger and just a vulnerable system. You're, 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 you're absolutely right. And so we have to you know, one of the blessings of our system when it is working is that it is decentralized. One of the more, more difficult aspects of it is that it is decentralized. So where drop boxes are, are legal in this election, we must make sure that uh, they are, you know, uh, available for 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 transparency that these are not un unguarded drop boxes or like in Arizona uh rules and regulations uh promoted by the secretary of state and the governor uh can't be uh blocks to to citizens keeping their eyeballs on the process so yeah i i think that you know when when we have a chance uh, to outlaw op boxes, uh, drop boxes, we ought we we ought to do that. Uh, but as long as they are legal, we in fact have to make sure uh, that we we we're, we're advancing transparency and keeping eyeballs on the process. Yeah, and we we need to be you know talking about uh, monitoring ballots being tabulated. We need to also, uh, as I mentioned, with the vote by mail programs, make sure that. Republican ballots are getting in to get counted. And I'm a little unclear about the Republican Party's program when it comes to uh, vote by mail programs nationally, uh, even in uh, the swing states that we know will be uh, determinative. I mean, can, can you speak to that at all? Because my, my sense is my, my sense is that 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 is not where it needs to be. Well, it, you know, we we have room to 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 grow. You're absolutely right on that. But at least in this election, they have a real solid ballot chase program, uh, and they are aggressively uh, pursuing a, a vote by mail. I, what happened in New York was that uh, you know we the Republican Party was slow on the draw, uh, and then you know. It, it's no. <laughs> and lo and behold, the advantage that uh, the Democrats had gained in early voting uh, prevailed. Uh, and, and, and that's why, as you're just suggesting, uh, we can't be as, asleep at the switch uh, and we, we, we can't lose 
the game in the early innings because of our inattention uh, to opportunities to uh, score runs early. But, but, does, but does the RNC have somebody riding point on this or maybe when yeah, the new no, leadership they, they, comes in? They, what they do, they do now. Yeah, and, and believe me, uh, I've done a lot of work with Lord Trump uh, mm-hmm. uh, and the, 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 the new chairman. Uh, he he was um, uh, in charge of uh, he was newly in charge of their uh, uh, election integrity operation. Yes, so I, I, I can say with confidence uh, that they are better prepared this time around uh, nationally. But there are there are opportunities in different states to up our game. And what I, and what. And what about the the other wild card? And you sort of alluded to it is uh, given what's happened at the border, which is the elimination of border security and, and all of the gotaways and people in this country illegally, as we all know. Um, how do you put eyes on people who can register day of and vote day of election and do not have to present any proof of citizenship in states well, like that, Arizona? That's that's where you have to have. Uh, more eyes on the process. That's that's why we can't afford to have folks uh, dropping out and or giving up uh, and and sort of surrendering uh, to that sort of uh, uh, political operation where you have non-citizens voting. Look, I have I have crisscrossed this country opposing automatic voter registration, same same day voter regist- uh, registration. Um, it is it is just is 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 crazy. Uh look, we we spent a lot of years making sure that there were not false barriers to uh to access the ballot box. Mm-hmm. Uh but we really have to put uh, a a lot of emphasis today uh on making sure that it is hard to to cheat and that only citizens are are voting. Look, the left has tried to destroy the whole concept of citizenship. Uh, they, they they see us as being a nation without borders. And so in, in their operation, there are voters without borders. Uh, and, and we have to push back. You know, Frederick Douglass, the great <clears throat> Frederick Douglass once said, those who are whooped easiest are whooped most often. And hmm. we just we just got to stop. <laughs> well, what about what happened in Arizona? I met somebody um on a, on a flight. She lives in Maricopa County. She said she went to vote that day, you know, during their gubernatorial race with for Carrie Lake. And she said 27 machines were down. Are we ever going to find out what that was all about? Yeah, we, we are uh, aggressively pursuing uh, litigation. And that's why I said we, ha- we, 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 what happened was that the, the, the secretary of state became uh, the governor. And, yeah. and, and there is this, uh, this this veil of uh, of darkness that has been put across that that process, you know. And I, I, I let me just go biblical for a minute. You know, we're told in John three, those who would do evil love the darkness, but we're also told that you know we we in fact can't just sit around cursing the darkness. We have to light candles and punch holes in that darkness. And that's, again, I, I, I might sound like a broken record, uh, but this is this is constructive uh, redundancy. We, in fact, have to make sure that people are involved uh, and, 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 and asking and pressing questions. I, you know, we history is not a snapshot. Uh, and I've been crisscrossing the country 
trying to make people understand this. It is it is a process. And the only way that you change the the direction or the, the arc of history is by being engaged. What we have and what we can't have too much of, too much more of, are people who are sideline sitters. Uh, you, you know, you, with history, you're either in shaping and moving and directing it, or you're made by history. And and that's that's something that uh, we just can't tolerate. We have to be we have to be involved. We have to use that agency that God has given us. Uh, to, in fact, change the arc of history in a positive direction. I love when Ken Blackwell goes biblical. Ken Blackwell, former Secretary of State and State Treasurer of Ohio, former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations Human Rights Commission as well. Ken Blackwell, thanks for your efforts and uh, for joining us. We appreciate it. God bless you both. Thank you. And he, yep, you too. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. The more you listen, the more you listen, the more you'll know. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. More from Michael Schellenberger the uh, investigative journalist that we've uh, mentioned on the show many times, one of those uh, trusted by Elon Musk to report on the Twitter files, along with Matt Taibbi and uh, a few others. Now he and Taibbi collaborating on reporting about intelligence community corruption that dates back to 2016. The story they had out this week, per their sources, is that the Russian collusion investigation that began in 2016 wasn't something that fell into the lap of the intelligence community. They happened upon, as the uh, official story was, George Papadopoulos says something offhanded to an Australian diplomat, and all of a sudden uh, we've got concerns about Russian influence in the Trump campaign and, by extension, our election. No, in point of fact, it was a false flag operation conceived and orchestrated by the intelligence community from the beginning. Wasn't it Obama's CIA? That's well, John Brennan. John Brennan. Well, yeah. That guy. Yes. And so now we've got more information from them, the next phase of the reporting. And it, by the way, um, one more thing about what they previously reported we discussed the other day is um, there's these binders or a binder or binders, plural, not exactly sure, reports that perhaps detail this false flag operation they're reporting on that were in Trump's possession, and that may be the predicate for the FBI's raid of Mar-a-Lago and the whole classified documents, imbroglio, and criminal indictment. So now, uh, Schellenberger, more information. The story that Putin favored Trump also invented. He uh, favored Hillary Clinton, and so did the CIA, because the CIA was comfortable with the relationship between Hillary and Putin, not comfortable with the, rela- with the prospect of a relationship between Trump and Putin, because, like Putin just said about Biden recently, I prefer Biden, he's predictable, he's conventional, um, the same sort of thing. The CIA's assessment was Trump's uh, wild card, unpredictable. We're comfortable with Hillary Clinton. 
you know, she exists within the parameters of our comfort level. So Schellenberger on with Jesse Waters again last night talking about a 50 page report that he believes exists at CIA that needs to be released. You know, there is congressional oversight. It doesn't seem like it. There's congressional oversight of these intel agencies. And so you think some House Republican or Republicans, plural, may start helping to amplify Schellenberger's call for the release of these reports. Well, I think some people wonder if this is old news or maybe if this has been reported. I want to assure you that it has not been reported until now. I can also assure you that there are current members of the House Intelligence Committee that are unaware of a 50-page report that the CIA is currently hiding at its headquarters. There may be other copies elsewhere, but there is a top-secret copy at the CIA proving without a doubt, according to our sources, which are multiple credible sources, that Russia, in fact, favored Hillary Clinton, not Donald Trump, in 2016, that they used the Steele memo, the, the infamous political document commissioned by the Hillary Clinton campaign, to create, to cook the intelligence, as they said, for the early January 2017 intelligence community assessment claiming that the Russians favored Trump falsely, that relied on the Steele memo. That 50-page report continues to exist. It likely exists with the other intelligence information, including potentially raw intelligence documents, showing that the evidence was very strongly on the side, the best evidence was on the side, that the Russians favored Clinton for the, st- for the continuity and stability, that they were concerned about Trump for being erratic, and being an unknown quantity, and that the quality of the evidence that uh, that contradicted that was much lower, and that it was, and that Brennan's people manipulated the the sourcing, so to speak, the quality ranking given to the sources to come up with really the opposite outcome of what the truth was. You know what a sick, conniving, treacherous, quisling Brennan is. Not only did they do that uh, behind closed doors, reportedly. But then he spent uh, three years on MSNBC waving the American flag and accusing Trump of being a Manchurian candidate for the Russians and so on and so forth. What a disgusting, despicable individual. And we're talking about the CIA director, for goodness sakes. No morals. Schellenberger, um, just to put a fine point on it, we've got two, you know, keep uh, your scorecards at the ready at home, two separate intelligence community political scandals that are being reported on by uh, Schellenberger and his colleague. Yeah, that's right. There's actually two separate intelligence scandals here to, for people to keep in mind. The first one happened earlier in 2016, where our sources, multiple sources tell us that Brennan oversaw manipulation of our foreign allies to basically entrap Trump associates to create the pretext for the FBI investigation of Trump supposed alleged collusion with Russia, which we now know is debunked. The second thing is, uh, almost a year later, Brennan orchestrates a phony intelligence assessment that comes to the opposite conclusion of what their own raw intelligence, their best intelligence was showing. These are two massive, massive intelligence scandals. What we're witnessing is the political corruption of both intelligence gathering and intelligence analysis by John Brennan. And these documents, we have been told by multiple people, still exist. They're at the CIA. They need to be released. They're probably part of this larger binder, which may have the other documents to support both the, the evidence of both of these scandals. <laughs> One more piece to this. 
because the timing of this uh, Mike Turner congressman who's the chairman of the House Intel Committee you just mentioned, the, that, that the Republicans on the committee you just heard, Sheldon Murray, that don't know about this. Well, they should know about it, and they should be calling for its release. They should be demanding answers. I assume that's going to be coming forthwith uh, or some explanation for why it's not if it doesn't happen. Uh, the Mike Turner call about this new security threat, the uh, Russian efforts to nuclearize space. Um, this is something that we're unaware of. It doesn't sound like it. And the timing of this against the backdrop of the push for another $60 billion to Ukraine, the push for renewal of Section 702 of FISA. So there were two uh, uh, DOD eggheads brought before a congressional committee yesterday and asked about this by Matt Gates. Take a listen to these exchanges by, you know, the, the actual you know, practitioners, the experts in this space when it comes to uh, when it comes to space uh, and Russia and China and, in other words, America's primary enemies. As, in terms of efficacy, broadly, can you say to the American people? Yes. We yes, have, we we have an, OK, great. And same question to you, Miss Yu. Uh, you are the undersecretary for research and engineering. Can you give the American people comfort that we are researching and engineering things that will stop Russia from deploying a nuclear weapon in space? I would say we are working on, across the spectrum, a lot of technology that can counter our adversaries at the unclassified level. I would love to get into a skiff with you to talk about some of the capability that we're developing. Yeah, but it, it, it's, and, you know, just as Dr. LaPlante talked about the focus, what I glean from your response, though we can't get into the specifics, is this isn't some surprise to us. We aren't shocked to learn it, that we have a, we have a real research and engineering focus to deter and, and deprive mm -hmm. access of Russia uh, to the space domain for any sort of nuclear deployment, right? This is hard to talk in an unclassified environment, but... Like I said, I'm happy to get into skiff with you anytime you want. Well, you're, you know, it, I appreciate that. I also appreciate your smiling and delightful demeanor. And if this were all terrifying and driving us to the brink, my sense is uh, the manner in which we're able to have this conversation might be somewhat different. Mm. From more on all this, we're pleased to be joined by retired Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, president of Project Sentinel and London Center for Policy Research. Author of Operation Darkheart, Spycraft and Special Ops on the Front Lines of Afghanistan and the Path to Victory. Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, good morning. Good to be here with you guys. So, um, what's your reaction to the uh, reporting by uh, Michael Schellenberger this week? So this is not new. I mean, I know he's saying his stuff is new, and, and, and the factual part is, but I said this on, I think it was March 6th or 7th of uh, 20, 2017. Where I went on Fox News and said this was Soviet level wrongdoing. I, I mm -hmm. outlined in that interview with Ed Henry what we've come to find. And, and what we've come to find is what I said in that interview. You guys can go check the tapes. Uh, yeah, I appreciate their diligence because this fills in every, everything we needed to know about how deep it was. But also, we, you know, it's the old we need the receipts. And so right. these, these reports that document, Bren, for example, Brennan's skullduggery. Uh, they need to come to light. I mean, because otherwise it's, uh, you know, 
It's 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 you're, you're going to get the misinformation by the com the D.C. press corps, the com shop for Brennan and the rest of these uh, deep staters that will obfuscate the issue. No doubt. And we do. And I hope they do get it all out because John Brennan is pure evil. I was at MSNBC one day mm. and the makeup person asked, told me that she had done John Brennan's makeup the day before. And I said, what was it like to touch his face? And she said it was touching pure evil. Oh my yeah, God. Brennan, Brennan is evil. No, I swear to God. And then I know Jim Clapper. Jim Clapper uh, uh, would, if Jim Clapper would sell his mom for a bag of Doritos and a chance of being promoted. So it, <laughs> these these people these people have no ethics. And yeah, it was it was apparent to us who were you know they're advising. You know, I was part of the Mike Flynn constellation that were going to go in. I was actually advising Chairman of the Joint Chiefs Joseph Dunford, Joe Dunford, and and uh, and Mike, Mark Mark another name. So we were all there and watching this stuff, and it was really fascinating to see how uh, people like Steve Halper. Steve Halper was actually a Pentagon guy working at Net Assessment. So we were trying to figure out the scope of it. We knew it was there, but we couldn't define it because it was so well organized and hidden within the context of official Washington. So to your point, yeah, we've got to get all the receipts out. We've got to go through this and examine it. And I'd like to believe Trump's going to use this as a roadmap. To, to conduct, so I would just say surgery. You've got to go in and cut, cut out all the people who were involved in this and permanently remove them from any way of having influence or a position in federal government in the future. Well, so. what about them going to jail, like actually paying for their crimes <laughs> I agree with that, that. committed? Well, I'm for that. I mean, look, uh, Brennan and, and Clapper in particular violated multiple uh, the, the laws relating to espionage. I mean, just because you go to the British and say, oh, Go spy on these Americans doesn't make it legal. It's an illegal directive misusing intelligence community assets. So, yes, I agree. And this is something that I actually believe that uh, hopefully, again, Trump will do. Is that not only should they actually go through and remove people, those who were the actual linchpins need to be prosecuted. I, and I'll say this. Not everybody who was spying on Americans knew they were spying illegally. I'm just saying that. The abuse, the abuse was so bad, people were taking things, tasking on the face of it, saying, oh, i got to go check on this, not necessarily knowing that they were doing something illegal. But the people above them did know it's illegal, and that those indeed who did know it was illegal need to go to jail. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what we want, of course. We want the shot yeah. callers, right? Right, absolutely. Um, so, so what about, what about the, the Mike Turner call this week? And, yeah. and you know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be conspiratorial, but uh, it's legitimate to ask questions, particularly when you're hearing from DOD officials that, yeah, we're on this job. We, so I don't, you know, basically without saying it, they're basically saying, yeah, it's not a surprise. We know about this. I think there are members of the House Intel Committee, Senate. I think Rubio issued a statement, too, that they're, they're, they're apprised of this. So why now Mike Turner feels the need for more public disclosure on something that uh, DOD is on, as well as the uh, respective House and Senate committees? I, I think you guys have got the right instincts. It's, it's, it's trying to throw people off or create a, a crisis where there's not one. So let me be very clear on this as well. I used to sit on something called the Nuclear Strategy Forum. I sat on that back in the mid, the early 2000s. And we knew about all this. This was something, this is not new. I, I, I've got a, a gamma, I had a gamma clearance. So I have to be careful about what I actually know and what I can talk about. But suffice it to say that since 1970, through the end of the Cold War and into the 2000s, there's been concerns about the potential of first-strike weapons. That's the kind of colloquial term, mm-hmm. which would be, you know, missiles uh, that are shot into orbit, sitting there, loitering, 
missiles, or the other category are electromagnetic, electromagnetic pulse weapons, EMP. Your audience can Google something called Starfish Prime. Starfish Prime was a high-altitude experiment using a nuclear device in Hawaii back in 62 and took out the power grid in Hawaii. So it's a 62. So I'm just saying that there's that's the other area we're concerned about is a high-altitude nuclear burst that takes out all of our comms. So the, this is not new. We've known about this. We study it. And to that, the, 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 uh, to the credit of that one DOD woman who was talking about all the advanced technology, we've been working on advanced technology in this for a while. So Mike Turner's like, oh, we've got to worry about this. Like, dude, we've been worried about this. If you want to take that money you're about to throw to Ukraine, yeah, throw it to DOD so DOD can do extended research on this. That's what I would do. So, I mean, well, that, that's so that was the next uh, question, of course. Is, so then your your uh, viewpoint on the 60 billion that um, the um, uh, well, I mean, the, the sort of the bipartisan combine to borrow from John Cass in D.C. is yeah. is pushing. The 60 billion would be adding to what we've already spent, which is about 300 billion. If you add up what we spent before the 113 billion and all we're going to do is fund the continued path to defeat. I don't care which side you're on uh, of the military conflict. I always get accused of being pro-Russian, and I'm not. But even even if I was, the simple application of more funding to a failed strategy, because there is no strategy, a system that is not going to be able to absorb that, that income in any way to actually translate that into military operations that, that achieve victory, is wasted. Sersky, General Sersky, who just took over from Zaluzny over the past three days, suffered the greatest and most catastrophic loss of Ukrainian army life his second day on the job. They lost like four battalions that were staging up near uh, one of the front areas, and the Russians wiped them out. So my point is, no matter which side you're on, giving more money to an effort that's going to fail makes no sense at all. And, and uh, the Speaker of the House, Johnson, said rightly, show me a strategy Give me money for the border, and I'll think about it. And I think that is that continues to be the right answer. He is retired Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, president at Project Sentinel and London Center for Policy Research, author of Operation Dark Heart, Spycraft and Special Ops on the Front Lines of Afghanistan and the Path to Victory. Lieutenant Colonel Schaefer, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you, and he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. It's like a hot, steaming cup of information to start your day. It's Chicago's Morning Answer on AM 560, The Answer. America First with Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 on AM 560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So uh, yesterday, uh, the uh, Chicago Press Corps pretended to be like a real press corps, you know, like holding those in power to account. Or at least it's nice, you know, it happens so rarely um, and it's sort of fun. Not that it's particularly meaningful, but it is it is fun just to watch uh, uh, BLM Brandon twist himself into a, a pretzel trying to explain uh, the shot spotter saga. Of course, they knew the contract was expiring. They had planned for it, uh, and they were going to, you know, have this transition period to make sure that um, it gave police time to disengage ShotSpotter with respect to their uh, policing. 
Uh, so we, we, we'd extend it past the DNC. Interesting uh, choice that that event to extend it past, you know, give give time. And then uh, Shotspotter said, well, um, we're not interested. And said, well, we're still talking. And yeah. then it's like, well, but I mean, it's the right decision. Do you have a deal to extend it past midnight tonight or not? Well, I'm not, I'm not really not at sure. liberty to say, but I mean, this is all very much according to plan. It doesn't sound like it. No, it's a bunch of gobbledygook, and they they have defunded the gunshot detection technology, and, and here's why. Try to make sense of this, okay? As I've said, the violence that we experience in Chicago is horrific. And though shootings are down, homicides are down, there's still a lot of work to be done. My plan and my vision for the city of Chicago is comprehensive. It's going to take more than what has been done to get to the results that I'm committed to, to, to see come to fruition. And so investing in people is our best pathway forward. Now, you know, are there other technological advances, you know, that I may not be aware of that provide a non-police response to respond to emergency? Because 40% of the calls that come through are our mental health crises, there could be some forms of technology that can give us a response so that EMT can show up and mental health crisis providers can show up. I'm not aware of any. You know, but again, the approach here is, is to build a comprehensive <laughs> approach. approach. And that's what we've done. And so I, I don't want us to, to fall into the trap and the behavior of, of, of old, where we only look at policing as the only form to build a better, stronger, safer Chicago. There you go. My favorite, better, stronger, safer Chicago. So basically invest in people. We're going to move away from policing. And we're going to hope, Dan, that future technology is discovered that solves mental illness. We're going to have a mental health spotter system. Yeah. Okay. Is that going to be installed in everybody's house? Or how are... 312-642-5600, Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six da turnkey dot pro text line. Yeah, I also you know this is a favorite thing. Everything is an experience now. Yeah. Experiencing homelessness, we're experiencing violence. No, we're beset by violence because we refuse to uh, arrest, detain, and prosecute repeat violent offenders. That's that's what's happening. It's a we're experiencing it. It's, it's, a, it's an experiential event in Chicago to experience the violence and experience the homelessness and experience the migrant camps. Uh, lots to experience in Chicago under BLM Brandon. Um, he sounds like Kamala Harris, just a bunch of like word salad. W- well, right. I, I, he may have been having a panic attack. So let's oh, be charitable. Uh, but um, so so that so that's what's happening. But my question is. Great. Comprehensive approach. Totally agree. Sure. Of course. Whatever that means. What it means whatever you want it to mean. That's what's okay. fun about it. All right, fine. Yeah. Um you get to you get to define it. And then you you just yeah, right. You talk in flowery language about uh investing in people and and we could be as we're people who love people. Uh, we're all people people. Yeah, I got it. Oh great, wonderful, it's beautiful. Um here's my proposal. Because we're investing in people. Because we love people. And people love people. And people stand on firm ground, yes. And the best people are the people who love people. Those are the greatest people. (laughs) And we're a great city with great people who love other people. We're a welcoming city. We know this. And so as we're destigmatizing 
black and brown people who are victims of structural racism. They've been experiencing structural racism. The big the big problem in Chicago is white supremacy. We know this. Those MAGA Republicans walking around, you know, pouring bleach on people. Yeah, uh, right. And especially in their base camp in Streeterville. Do you know that happened five years ago? Last, that I remember like it was yesterday. I know, don't you? Great moments in white supremacy. Crazy. Um, so my proposal is let's continue to remove the scarlet letters. Okay. As it were, the 21st century scarlet letters. So getting rid of shot spotter that unfairly targets black and brown people. Carlos Ramirez Rosa, no less an authority than him, said that. Why, why do we have electronic monitoring? Oh, yeah, we should get rid of that. Don't we trust? I mean, we, we got rid of bail because it unfairly targets uh, black and brown people. It's part of structural racism. It's a vestige of white supremacy. So what about electronic monitoring? The idea of, I mean, these are, I mean, uh, we, we know most of the people on electronic monitoring are either honor students turning their lives around or people who just need uh, jobs that pay a living wage. Right. And that's what they're looking for. So what, why have the stigma of this ankle bracelet when you go to interview for, uh, you know, a coding job at Google, which which I'm sure they're these this cohort of individuals is mainly doing probably coders and engineers. Um, yeah, right. So so I mean, I, I just I hate I hate thinking about the stigma, the scarlet ankle bracelets. The electronic monitoring, we should get rid of that. We got rid of bail because we trust people. Right. And you could have uh, their BLM Brandon and his folks come out and say, people show up for court. It's not a big deal. A kinder, gentler way of processing because, you know, you got to get out and work. You got to pilfer diapers to um, uh, for your for your kids and so on and so forth. Um, so let's just get rid of electronic monitoring, too. I mean, I'm sure Tom Dart would be on board with that. I mean, he doesn't want to be a part of the white supremacist patriarchy, does he? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You know what I learned yesterday, too, is these shot spotter cameras were being over-surveillanced. Some aldermen didn't like that. They're like, you know, it's too much. Well, then if that's the case, then we should get rid of the red light cameras and the speed. No, no, no. Those are revenue generators. Right, the, the The shot spotter... Yeah, I agree. It, it it gives sort of a it feels it makes Chicago seem like it's a military yeah, camp. Yeah, that's what they were thinking. You exactly. Because like you got the flashing yeah. light and you got the Chicago police logo, which is, right. you know, so Orwellian. I mean, it's it's like it's like martial law, but it's in it's, it's disproportionately targeting black and brown people. So let's just get rid of these things. We're basically getting rid of law enforcement, the enforcement of actual laws. You're talking about people who wanted to defund the police. So they're sort of slow walking us to that place by defunding ShotSpotter. Let's let's defund electronic monitoring. Um, I and miss um, my shot spotter. I drive by it every day. I'll have to see if it's on past midnight today. Yeah, I mean, let's let's let, let's turn this over. Let's turn this let's turn this over to social workers. Um, maybe Brandon Johnson can spearhead the development of this uh, mental health spotter technology. He doesn't. He understands doesn't exist, but he certainly would like it to exist. Maybe maybe we could pour some money into that. Um, obviously, we could take some of the money that we're spending on shot spotter and put it into. Uh, Migrant facilities, as right. we talked about. Yeah. And then um, and then you've got, you know, your um, midnight basketball, yeah, your right. alternative sentencing, um, you know, mentoring young people, um, uh, maybe a planting 
uh, some, uh, tr- you know, bushes and, and foliage in the planters that uh, run up and down the Mag Mile, that, that sort of thing. So we don't um, have the CPS to uh, to city colleges to prison pipeline. We got to we got to blow up that pipeline, too. Oh, and real quickly, I don't know if you heard this yesterday, but CPS is now going to shelters and they're hiring migrants illegals to apply for positions at schools around the Chicago area, whether to be janitors, security guards. So I just, you know, I hope they're getting fingerprinted like we were. I hope they're getting TB tests like we had to take to volunteer. And I hope they're getting them the background checks yeah, that yeah. we had to go through. And, and you know. Well, I'm just saying that's, you know, we're really, we're really every, becoming every, a world-class city. Everything's fine. Yeah. It's, everything's, what could go wrong? Everything is good. Yeah. Uh, Patrick in Virginia here on Chicago's Morning Answer. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I go back to the days of the Cuban Missile Crisis. I'm that old. And I see the increase in crime to be part of their left strategy. What they're going to do is create a larger government, and there'll be an agency either by itself or maybe under Homeland Security, equivalent of the KGB or the Stasi. And they're going to say, we're going to take care of the crime, but you've got to give up your freedom for that. Thanks for the call, Patrick. Uh, Grant in Rockford. Good morning, you guys. Real quick before I called in, the uh, the mental health spotter. So do you suppose that would go when Kim Fox takes away her husband's PlayStation controller? <laughs> that kind of thing? And um, yeah, also, possibly. Your, uh, your, your, your great moments in white supremacy, Dan, that line caught my ear. I think you should do a segment once a week where a, <laughs> a, where a, a race hoax is, uh, is portrayed and uh, the, 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 evil, the evil white supremacist boogeyman that's hiding around every corner and under every bed. You should, uh, you should profile that. Have a good one. Thanks for the I call. I mean, we Grant. are MAGA country. It's, you know, slim, you know, it's like turkey shoe. You can find a great moments in white supremacy every day here. Uh, well, yeah, and and certainly around the country too. Do, do you see that this? I mean, this is sort of the. Um, well, th- I think this would fit. Um, Callie Coomer, she is a manager of community engagement at the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. Okay. She sent a letter last month to a ninety-year-old who volunteered for the Multiple Sclerosis Society for sixty years. Okay. That she can no longer volunteer. <gasps> For the Multiple Sclerosis right. Society. After a thorough review of our guidelines and standards, it's come to our attention that there's been a failure to abide by our diversity, equity, and inclusion oh. guidelines during your time as a volunteer. Unfortunately, we made the difficult decision that you have to step down oh. from your volunteer. So she's white? <laughs> 60 years as a volunteer. How, but, but she obviously all that time closeted white supremacist. She's not filing. She's not abiding the DEI guidelines for the National Multiple Sclerosis Society, where so they're firing volunteers, ninety-year-old volunteer. No, that's that, that's perfectly sane. That's not insane. Oh, that's that's eradicating I mean, white supremacy. They she's on the driveway home. They treat her like that. Shame on them. Driveway home. She's ninety. Well, I know she's not like she's you know, and probably she's, in the last ten years of her life, and she's been there for sixty flipping years, and yeah. that's how they treat her. Uh, Yes. Right. That's sort of the point. I know. Uh, I'm laughing and I'm crying. Uh, Greg and LaGrange. Hi, good morning. Uh, Amy, you have to remember that if you're not a useful idiot, and you're not uh, used to the uh, communists and Marxists that are in power, you're disposable no matter what age. 
the thing that gets me about Brandon Johnson, Mayor Johnson of Chicago, is how many of these mental health people or these non-police officers are going to respond to these emergency calls which can't get responses as it is now. Their turnaround time is horrible. And what else do we know? We also know that police can't close a lot of these violent cases. They're not being closed properly. I don't see how you're going to have mental health uh, individuals be able to uh, respond to an emergency like a carjacking or an armed robbery or drive through the front of a business store and deal with these people on some sort of level of where they are mentally insane and you are going to talk them back off of their life of crime. What they're going to do is put you down at the same time they're getting ready to get get away from the crime. This is absolute madness. Madness at the highest level. Well, Thanks for the call. Guys. I got to tell you, the homicide rate is going to go up because ShotSpotter has stopped a lot of people from bleeding out. Because yeah. 911 yeah. calls aren't responding. Yeah. They see the ShotSpotter yeah. and they go right away. Yeah. So the homicide rate's going to go up, I'm telling you. George in Naperville. Yeah, Dan, Brandon Johnson's reimagining society requires a lot of daydream believers. Thank you, Sleepy Jean. And a homecoming queen. And homecoming queens, exactly right. I'm saying, but I'm just saying. Uh, Rich in Indian Head Park. Yes, good morning, Dan. Good morning, Amy. Um, They're seeing that this spot, uh, the set uh, spot of... uh, targets uh, black and uh, brown people. Mm-hmm. Does a flashing light go off when uh, when it's a brown or uh, black person that's shooting, or, or are they just so alerted when uh, shots go off? doesn't make any sense. How well, is it targeting black or brown? Because, Rich, because um, it is... Um they're mainly in high crime areas, which happen to be everywhere neighborhoods. Else. Well, everywhere, but, I mean, neighborhoods... I mean, look, the most violent neighborhoods in Chicago are majority-minority neighborhoods. That's just a fact. So where do you put shot spotters? Where the most people are getting shot and killed? That seems pretty commonsensical, but but you have to understand, uh, Chicago is perhaps the most de facto segregated city in the country, despite 100 years of Democrat rule. So um, the Democrat supremacy has made Chicago segregated, which... A shot spotter is responding to the shot spotter decision is responding to in point, which is now part of the structural racism imposed by the white man, except it's or the conservative white man, except that's not who's been in. So, it, yeah, it's all very convoluted. It's a little bit difficult to follow the logic of it. But suffice it to say, Brandon Johnson has a comprehensive plan. And that's all you need to know. Well, you Dan know and Amy, oh. Chicago's Morning Answer. Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Boy, there were some um, odd moments and, and also some fun moments with the uh, testimony of Nathan Wade and Fawny Willis in Atlanta yesterday on the matter of whether or not she will be allowed to stay on the case and prosecute Trump and associates. And again, based on that performance, 
I'm afraid she's going to get bounced, but I certainly don't want her to get bounced because uh, she would be a de facto member of the Trump and company criminal defense team based on what I saw from her temperament, likability, legal knowledge, uh, ethical uh, standards and so forth. Um, but but let's start with Wade for a second, because he actually was um, responsible, um, proper demeanor. I mean, there was a lot of Clintonian word parsing. But uh, my favorite moment from Nathan Wade was when he's asked about uh, whether he's ever taken Fawny to a cabin. Yeah. And he and he sort of froze up. Did you go to a cabin with Miss Willis ever? Ever. Ever. No. Never gone to a cabin with this. No. All right. Um, yes. uh, um, that little uh, careless whisper interlude was post-production from our friends at Citizen Press. But yeah, uh, 15 seconds, he was sort of looking up at the ceiling tile and trying to... Well, he was, was probably just, just deciding what defines a cabin. Is it a log cabin? Like, what's a cabin? Maybe he was remembering a romantic evening they had at said cabin or someplace else. Maybe just waxing nostalgic about his time with the lovely Fawny Willis. You know what? I don't think this, they're going to make it as a couple after this. This might be really stressful on the relationship and they might. That's not what Wade to... said. Oh, it's not. Well, they're friends now. They're not, oh. they're not, they're not, they're, they're, they're not lovers anymore. Another word oh. I hate. Uh, they're I friends. For those two. Um, and their friendship has ever been stronger because of the attacks they're under. That's oh. what Wade testified to. But uh, Fawny also, look, um, she takes no prisoners. Okay. Um, there was a lot of confusion about what constitutes a romantic relationship by both of them, which is some of the silliness you get in these proceedings, uh, the parsing, as I was mentioning. But I, I just, <laughs> I love this, the back and forth, as painful as that was to listen to uh, ugly older people talking about uh, what constitutes a romantic relationship in too much detail. Um, but, uh, look, when it comes to romance, Fawny yeah. Willis wants to get down to business. You hired Mr. Wade for the first time on November 1st of 2021, correct? November of 2021, okay. yes, sir. Your testimony is, whether one accepts it or not, your testimony is that at the time you hired Mr. Wade, there had never been a romantic relationship with Mr. Wade before you hired him, correct? Yes, my testimony is that we were very good friends, but not, well, we're talking about a sex, so let's just don't. Well, no, I'm not talking about, I'm saying romantic relationship doesn't necessarily have to be just sex. It can be dating, it can be holding hands, it can be any of those things that one might call romantic. I'm asking you whether or not prior to November 1st of 2021, there was a romantic relationship with Mr. Wade. It's very simple. It's either a yes or a no. I don't consider my relationship with him to be romantic before that. I'm not a hand holder, so no. That's fine. 
Now. I mean, she is so <laughs> smug. I want to just. Uh, I'm not. Hey. Hey. Bonnie Willis. I'm not a handholder. No kisses on the mouth. Yeah. Well, All right. Too bad her friend Rob and her girl pal. Well, former girl pal. They're not friends anymore. Dan said that they were, you know, canoodling and kissing and hugging back in 2019. Willis had some fits of anger uh, throughout the proceeding, uh, reminding those in attendance and the larger community riveted to her testimony that uh, she's not on trial here. She's not on trial here. Well, no, no, no. I object to you getting records. You've been intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. So my question was, do you have any problem? I object to getting any personal records of mine. We're not dealing with privilege through a witness. And I'm not, no, 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 I'm not dealing with privilege. What um, we had offered to put them in camera for the court to review. And I just want to know if she has any That's problem. That's something to do with a witness. Mm-hmm. And then the witness went on to offer this Jeremiah. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. They're out of order. Son of a bitch, you. You're supposed to stand for something. You're supposed to protect people. Yeah. Uh, I just learned too much. I know her 50th birthday, she said, was a disaster. And I'm like, well, come on. We want to hear more about it. Like, she was just going off on tangents. A lot of courtroom drama. For more on this, we're uh, pleased to be joined by our friend George Perry, former federal and state prosecutor. I wonder if he's ever had to cross swords with Fawny Willis. Uh, And uh, also, yeah, blogs at knowledgeisgood.net. George, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, glad to be with you. Um, so, uh, you're pretty impressed with Fonnie Willis's defiance on the stand yesterday? Yeah, yeah, she was just (laughs) terrific. Uh, you know, at one point when she was explaining why she didn't benefit from these trips that she took with Nathan Wade, where Wade was paying for them with his credit card, she said, well, I paid him back in cash. And... The question became, well, where did you get the cash? Did you go to the ATM machine? She said, no, I keep cash in my home. My father, the uh, Black Panther, told me that a woman like me should always have at least six months' worth of cash in the home. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, gee, the old cash hoard trick. Uh, we haven't seen that. What did you call her? What did you call her? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. I knew you were going to jump on that. But but you know, you guys you you guys are 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 yet to uh, get the the big enchilada. One of the line items on Wade's uh, travel account was seventy four dollars and fifteen cents spent in a tattoo parlor in Belize. Oh yeah. When he funny. <laughs> You're down. mine. So. Where is that? So where is I'm that iHeart funny tattoo, Mister Way? Tell us. Yeah, yeah, and where is it on her? I mean, I love Nathan. Or, you know. Oh, well, God. oh gee, I don't want to think about is, that. Yeah, this is, this is the kind of stuff that trial lawyers pray for. So if if this, this is not uh, exactly actually, bogey and Bacall, is it? No. No, it's not. It's it's about as ugly as it can get, and all I could think of. <laughs> As she was waddling up to the stand, is I, 
could. Where is that tattoo, Fanny? Oh boy! Is it on Fanny's fanny? I mean, well, don't maybe they'll show ask us today. But I got to tell you, I learned a lot about dating because you know when she goes on dates. No fun. No funny today. No funny today. Oh, They're not. No, no, no questions for her today. I think. Oh, because of a poor performance yesterday. Uh, why sell past the close, Your Honor? We're done. Oh, yeah. I was waiting, watching CNN. Waiting. Oh, yeah, you're right. She's not going to testify. Boo. We there got goes enough. my Friday plan. But what we I got learned enough from her funny yesterday to last us a while. Yeah, yeah, is that when you go out on dates, you got to carry cash because in case it doesn't work out right, you have to have yeah, money to sure. get home. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, apparently she had enough cash, you know, to pay thousands to uh, Nathan. Uh, she just dipped into the old till that she keeps at home and, and handed him the cash. Of course, there's no record of any right, of this. Right, I think it's a bunch of BS. And, uh, you know, that's that's about average. Hey, hey um, you, you, don't, you don't tell her what bills to pay? No, you don't tell her what bills to pay, George? <laughs> you don't tell there's me i got to pay, pay my yeah. tax lien instead of going to Aruba? You don't tell me that. <laughs> Well, the thing is, when she was saying that, and forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but it just hit me so hard. As she is giving this explanation, this absolutely ludicrous explanation that she keeps this cash in her home and she paid him back in cash, she actually partially covered her mouth with her hand. Yep. This is what's known in the trade as a tell. <laughs> oh, you think? Yeah. Yeah, she, mm-hmm. she absolutely knows that it's total horse manure, but hey, why not pedal it? And um you know, it, it was I thought it was just great entertainment. I I can't thank her enough for for the show she put on. And I, uh you know, I, where it goes from here, who knows? Well, well you know, I mean, I do you think there's any possibility that that judge leaves her on this case? I mean, it's it's fairly com- convincing that she uh, and Nathan Wade rep- misrepresented their relationship to the court for starters. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, how do they keep her on the case? How does that judge keep her well, on the case? I mean, on, on based on what we saw yesterday, there's no way that she should continue on the case. But you never know what a judge is going to yeah. do. You never know what a jury is going to do. But we look. We used to have a saying in the Philadelphia DA's office when you had a judge, a trial just to a judge. The only way you're going to get an honest trial before a judge is both sides have to wire the case. That way he's got to decide it on the merits. I don't know this judge. I don't know anything about him. Uh, he may be the greatest guy in the world, most honest guy in the world. Certainly he has excellent judicial demeanor, but you don't know what he's going to do. I think based I think on what we saw yesterday, based think, on what we saw yesterday, he should disqualify her. And if he disqualifies her, that takes out the whole Fulton County District Attorney's Office. And then the case has to be unless, reassigned. Well, I mean, unless 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 she would take herself out in advance of his decision and turn it over to a that's senior. True. Right. Yeah. Right. That's that's, that's true. Place, she that's she said, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah, she might. She she could try that dodge. That would be one way of avoiding it. But let's assume that she's disqualified by the court. Well, then the question becomes, where does the case go? Now, there are competing narratives out there in the media. One group says, oh, Governor Brian Kemp will make the decision about where the case goes. Well, that'd be a hoot because Trump, in his own inimitable way, dumped all over Brian Kemp after the election for not getting on board with his effort to to change the outcome. But I think really what's going to happen here is there is an outfit 
down there called the Prosecuting Attorneys Council of Georgia, which is a state entity that would take on the task of reassigning the case elsewhere to another DA's office down there. Or, right. I'm, or do you think there's any F- chance it'd be dropped? I mean, I know some people, four people already pled guilty, but is there any chance of that? No, I, I don't know. I didn't see anything, and I don't see anything on the horizon that would warrant uh, dismissal of the case, but another DA who might might drop it, depending on who the DA is. Well, uh, it's a, yeah, right. I mean, you could say, you could say look, this, this racketeering case is uh, is nonsense, legal. Yeah. yeah, legal nonsense, and so I'm not going to try this case. I'm, making a, I'm using my prosecutorial discretion. That's always a possibility, but if it goes to yeah. trial with somebody more competent than Fawny Willis, which would, I, I assume, be just about everybody else, um, yeah. They may they may regret bouncing her. By the way, I got to tell on the judge and what he's going to do. Unfortunately, he was a member of the Federalist Society, so he takes the canons of law seriously. Based on that, oh. so he, so he probably well, will he probably will bounce her. Well, well, I take back everything I said about the guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's 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 a serious judge. Then if he's a if he, he's a member of the Federalist Society, then yeah, he's a serious guy. Right. Um, so he's he he, he he must yeah he mu- he's not going to give much latitude to Fawny after yesterday, I presume. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and there's there's another option here uh, to available where the uh, the prosecuting attorneys council of Georgia could also turn this over to private lawyers, and there are plenty of Democrat lawyers who would come in much like they did in the Derek Chauvin case where the yeah. white shoe firms in Minneapolis staffed up the attorney general's office to massacre Chauvin. There'd be plenty of Democrat lawyers that fly in from all over the country to get admitted to, to take the case. So where it goes from here is anybody's guess. I, On the merits, I think that, that Fawny gets disqualified and the case goes elsewhere in Georgia and anywhere outside of Fulton County would be an improvement. So maybe maybe uh, call Trey Gowdy, see if he wants to pick it up. Uh, George Perry, <laughs> for, former federal and state prosecutor, regular contributor to the American Spectator who blogs at knowledgeisgood.net. George, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. OK, being with you. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey dot pro answer line. There's only one radio show in Chicago talking about today's biggest stories and telling you what they really mean. That show is this one. Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Open mic! Open mic Friday! Call in now! Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, Open Mic Friday, taking your calls, 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line, sponsored by turnkey.pro, where we take your calls with comments, compliments, concerns, criticisms, general crack pottery, we'll take it all, and we start with turnkey.pro founder, David Kolsak, as always, David. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, Dan, I just have to say, I have to compliment you and say how proud I am of you this morning, already today. I heard you say that you didn't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I'd like to ask questions. And then you also used the term false flag, and you had a guest on last hour talking about EMPs. So you're on your way, man. Bravo. Thank you. 
Um, wow. I don't think I'm on my way to chemtrails, but okay, all right. I, uh, that's, I'll take, I'll take the compliment. Baby steps. Yeah, right. Okay. Baby steps, right? Yeah. Anyway, right. the media has just spent the last week talking about Tucker Carlton as a traitor for interviewing uh, Vladimir Putin and painting Putin as the Antichrist with Tucker as his handmaiden. But now Putin turns around and endorses Biden, and to me that's hilarious. Now the media can't say Russia's in the tank for Trump. An absolute troll, kind of funny. And did you happen to see Tucker's clip of the subway system in Moscow? You guys see that? Yeah. Yeah. Bernie Sanders has complimented that before. And the, the chandeliers. And all, no, yeah. I'd never seen it. I'd never seen it. It's such a far cry from the systems here in Chicago and New York City. How do those people just not, you know, have those things like we have here? Um, you know, how can it be so juxtaposed with our public transportation? You know, it's sad to see how we allow our society to do bad things and, you know, have all that spilt and graffiti and, frankly, danger on our stuff. And it makes you kind of wonder. And then there's the recent report uh, that really that Trump really was spied. And you guys have talked about this a lot. He was really spied on by the Obama administration before, during, and after his 2016 election, it makes me angry. And do you remember that that sickening interview with Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes, where Trump yeah. was being spied on, and she said, "You yeah. know, you had no proof or whatever." Yeah, we, yeah, we played it this week. Thought, yeah, it's it's crazy, and I I still think I think now as I do back then, or as I did back then, that she's a miserable hag. Uh, yeah. Just the way she treated the person that was sitting in you know in the in the office of the presidency was maddening. But now there's proof, but not you know not just a conspiracy theory anyway. So those two independent journalists, you know, solid guys, Matt Taibbi and uh, Schellenberger, whom you had on your show yesterday, through FOIA requests, discovered that John Brennan, the most anti-Trump political demon under the direction of Obama and others, used the CIA and foreign agencies to spy on Trump, interfering in the election. You know, they did it, Leslie. I'm sure that old hag will issue an apology sometime soon. But before the 2016 election and the lead up to the 2016 election, John Brennan, with all the vitriol in the world, targeted not one, but two presidential campaigns of Donald Trump. How is that not textbook interference and treason? Um, so it's amazing to me that it took independent journalists to uncover the facts, not conspiracy theory facts. So sometimes it takes time for the truth to come out, and I can't wait for more. The likes of CNN and the New York Times and even Fox wouldn't even get close to the treason story, but yet D.E.B. and Schellenberger did it. You see those guys like Brennan, James Comey, James Clapper, going from what they say are apolitical jobs as spooks in high offices on TV. Now they're on TV saying all kinds of bad things about Trump. So when you see that and you hear this, it's way more credible that they did it. The people at the top of the CIA and the FBI are completely political and treasonous. The deep state is definitely real. So there's also a binder, and you talked about this, that referenced all this stuff and it's missing. No doubt it will never be found, but it, there needs to be justice and people need to demand it. But anyway, what do we get? We get distractions. You know, Obama does all this stuff to spy on Trump. Let me be clear, it's, it's treason. And the punishment for treason is what? You know, so what do we get instead? We get distractions. You know, Biden's senile, a distraction over here. The border's wide open. Here's another distraction. Putin's in peace talks, a distraction. Excess mortality is off the charts, another distraction. It's clear they want you to be distracted, so you shouldn't be. And there's more. The Fonnie Willis circus of a trial that you guys have talked about, poisoning the children in Ukraine, Gunfire at the Super Bowl parade, an active shooter in the mall at Palm Beach, multiple students shot in a high school in Atlanta. Mitch McConnell's sister-in-law died when her Tesla reversed into a pond on her ranch alone in her car, and she drowned. She was the CEO of the Foremost Group, and that's a major shipping company and an executive at the Bank of China. That's another one. And now there's some national security threat that Russia wants to put nuclear weapons in space, which has been going on for a long, long time. Anyway, don't be distracted. 
And going back to Tucker's trip to Russia, he recently released another clip of him visiting a grocery store, and he filled up a cart of all of his supplies, and everyone there had to guess, you know, what, how much do you think this would cost in the state? They all thought it would be about $400. You know what it amounted to in Russia? $100. So the most evil, vile, immoral, uh, former communist uh, country in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, let, okay. let's, let's, let, let's, let's, uh, well, well, I mean, take whatever position you want, but the idea that Moscow and Russia is some sort of model for us, Moscow as a city or Russia as a country under autocratic rule, I mean, I'm not saying you're insinuating it, but I'm just not saying, that it's ridiculous. I'm not insinuating. That the comparison and contrasts are, are ridiculous. What, did they have a better, trans, a safer transportation system, cleaner cities, uh, lower not, crime, not, and, and lower cost yeah, of grocery, yeah, groceries? Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, uh, some of that, yes. I mean, they also have, it's also uh, under martial law. Uh, it is uh, a, a vastly substandard quality of life as compared to middle-income life in America. It's a mafia-run town, and it has been since the fall of the wall. So, I mean, let's 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 not get r- ridiculous about Russia being some sort of model to emulate. And, 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 it certainly again, is not. I'm not saying that, but I think I think that we've been brainwashed as kids to hate Russia. I'm just saying. I remember 1980, the Olympics, the Dream Team. And we hated, I, I know everybody in my school when I was in fifth grade or whatever that was, we all hated Russia. And oh, we've been yeah. indoctrinated into this whole thing. We hated communist dictators. We didn't hate Mikhail Brishnikov. I mean, there's a difference. Right. I, I guess so. But I, I mean, I think that we've all been kind of poisoned as far as Russia being the bad guy. Russia, 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 everywhere. And the sad thing is that I've grown to hate what we've become here. You know, the arrogant statement that the U.S. is the greatest country on earth has been ruined by our ruling class. And they want you to distract you from those facts. Everyone can clearly see what's going on. And if you if you don't, you've just got your head buried in the sand or you're buying their distractions. Anyway, don't buy it. Get mad and be ready for them to give you a big, giant distraction like 9-11. But, but when that comes, don't be scared. And don't play, play into their fear porn. What's great is that the media is dead and, and we are now the media. The people are seeing it and the elite's old tricks aren't working anymore. And with all the increased number of distractions, you can see that they're petrified. So that's what I've got to say. Have a great weekend, guys. All right. Thanks for the call, Thank David. You. As always, appreciate it. Um, I have two things to get off my chest. Or, unless age before beauty. Do you want to go first? Uh, no, but I mean, you know, I mean, the, the, I just the uh, um, the if you look at by, by the way, just on the, the, the Tucker at the Moscow market thing, um, if you look at the international price differences, um, and you look at it in context of the um, the median wage in Moscow, then that hundred dollars versus four hundred dollars in gr- in grocery bills uh, takes on a very different understanding. That, that there's, 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 they don't have a a more efficient market system than this country with all the unfortunate government interventions we have. So, yeah, I mean, they put a lot of money into their beautiful subway and so on and so forth. And uh, they have um, uh, perhaps, although I haven't really looked in detail at whatever data you can trust in terms of violent street crime in Moscow, for example, as compared to major cities or metropolitan areas in this country. But there are other variables too, homogeneity of population and so forth. Um, and also martial law. Uh, let's just let's just pump the brakes on getting too excited 
uh, about what Russia is doing or using Russia as some sort of indictment of America in any meaningful way. Okay, I mean, the other thing, too, is the ends don't justify the means. So um, I'm not willing to trade freedom for secure for security or perceived security. Uh, under the boot of the state, which is what happens when you live in totalitarian societies like Russia. So let's not get crazy here, is my point. Okay. okay. Uh, real quick, I need to make a clarification and a correction. When I was working here on Tuesday, I had some severe jet lag, and I misspoke and said Americans died at the Battle of Verdun in France. They did not. Americans came in after that. Okay? So I yeah. wanted to correct Verdun. Yeah. Verdun, Verdun. Yeah. I don't know. There's many I- ways to pronounce it. Okay. And also, no, I no, just no. want to tell everybody, everyone asks when's our next big AM560 event. It is going to be on Friday, March 22nd at the Belvedere Banquets in Elk Grove Village. And we are excited to welcome All-American Collegiate Swimming Champion and Women's Sports Advocate Riley Gaines. So Riley Gaines is going to be here Friday, March 22nd. Um, as you know, she's been you know at the forefront for fighting for fairness and equity in women's sports. And it's going to be a Q&A, so you can ask her any questions you would like to get tickets. Go to 560theanswer.com slash tickets, 560theanswer.com slash tickets. We will see you there. It is sponsored in part by Blue Star Security and OPM Tax Advocates and Attorney Stephen A. Leahy. So we will see you Friday, March 22nd. Uh, Yeah, right. She was on the uh, warpath the other day, and appropriately so. Uh, I want you to meet the uh, new Girls High School State uh, high jump champion, uh, high jump uh, champion in New Hampshire, dude, a dude. His winning jump was ten inches lower than the boys' winning height, and um, but he was a state champion for the girls. Right, and his ten points, uh, his ten point score for being this champion in the high jump, pushed the girls' track and field team for his high school to runner-up in the state among 25 teams. So not only fraudulent state champion, but then the the girls' track and field team gets a fraudulent second-place finish because of the fraudulent high-jump champion. And uh, Riley Gaines had a good comment on this. How could the parents of this boy allow their son to cheat deserving women out of opportunities? And why don't the parents of the girls stand up and say no for their daughters? This country is full of failing, gutless mothers and fathers. Yeah. Yep. So I hope uh, Riley Gaines, you know, brings the wood on uh, when she comes to town as well on the 22nd, because that's exactly what needs to be said. People need to be challenged. All right. Take some calls. Ralph and Will Matt, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. I'm uh, I'm an election judge here in the North uh, Shore and I'm despairing of our uh, elections if uh, illegals register to vote in whichever state they like. 20, they were moving extra mail-in ballots into whichever states needed them. But now they're going to be moving voters that way. Well, yes. I mean, it's, and I, I don't think the Republicans, as we were talking about with Blackwell, I don't think the Republicans have a good answer for that right now. I understand there's um, a legal effort underway uh, that uh, there's a hope would get to the Supreme Court that will require uh, you know, proof of citizenship for some category of people in this country, like if you have a pending asylum application or something like this, such that um, 
people can't just, I mean, in states like Illinois, Arizona, register same day, vote same day, no need to prove citizenship. Well, then, and, and by the way, those migrant uh, migrant encampments, yeah, group settings, oh, easy to transport from point A to point B. Well, How just convenient. bring a box there, bring a voting box there and set up a table and start registering people. I know it's, it, I lose sleep overnight because if we don't have a fair election, we don't have a free, fair country. So, I mean, that's a big deal. But but so that's I mean, that's, these are the two big deals that we talked about with Blackwell. That's one. And the other one is the vote by mail program that Republicans need to be running in these swing states. So you can move, you know, turnout among center right uh, lean Trump leaning voters uh, in rural counties outside of Milwaukee up a few points, which would represent. A hundred thousand voters. I mean, there, there's the, the turnout a game, the vote-by-mail game that the Republicans need to play, too, because a couple of more points, obviously, in where you're talking about uh, uh, electorates in the millions, is significant in states that Trump in 2020 lost by 10,000, 11,000, 12,000 votes. So both of those things need to be addressed, and I'm not sure that the Republican Party is where it needs to be right now. Six months to go before the sprint. Better get there. Uh, Sean on the northwest side. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, Dan, I am an avid believer that the Democratic Party will prop up Joe Biden and that he believes as well that he will be the candidate for the uh, 2024 election race. But... I wanted to paint a picture for you, kind of draw an analogy. You have to watch this soccer video of Scott Sterling. I know how much you love soccer. Oh, yeah. But that is the perfect metaphor, perfect example of how the Democratic Party is going to prop him up. And then for you, Amy, he's also got a volleyball video. So oh, thanks. there you go. <laughs> thanks for the call, Sean. Uh, Tom in Blue Island. Hey, good morning, Dan and Amy. Two quick things for you. Dan, I think you just hit a little bit on what I was going to mention. Uh, I would, Ken Blackwell's a great man. I would stand behind and fight with him uh, tooth and nail for election integrity. But the one comment he made that we hear a lot from the right is the concern is that Republicans aren't going to vote because of the idea that Democrats are going to try to steal the election. It isn't that the Democrats are going to try to steal the election because they're scumbags. The concern is that Republicans aren't going to do anything about it. Uh, Other talk show hosts, obviously, you're not one of them. Uh, Ben Shapiro refuses to admit that there was even the slightest idea that the election was stolen. And even now we hear conversation about the 2020 election as if it was legitimate, and it wasn't. And Mike Gallagher says we have to flood the we have to flood the ballot box because they know we know they cheat. Well, if I had the opportunity to play golf with Dan Proft, and we were standing on the first tee, and I said, "Dan, you got to beat me by 15 shots because I'm going to do a bunch of Judge Smale stuff throughout the throughout the round." Uh, you'd say no. And so the idea that we have to accept a, a system that's fine, it's crooked, but do, don't we have to do something about it? Well, well, yeah, thanks for the call. We, we do. And there are things, I mean, stolen, rigged, I would say rigged, but, but you know, 
sort of stolen fair and square to borrow from Cook County parlance. We know what the rules are. I mean, the vote by mail game. Oh God! They COVID changed everything and helped yeah, them yeah, win the election. Yeah, yeah right. And, and it's and we know it now. Right. We we've known it for three cycles. So, so why don't Republicans have state by state, particularly in the swing states, vote by mail programs that people in the know are confident about? Because they don't. I know they don't. What, what's taking so long? What, what is unclear about the need to have a vote-by-mail program to maximize your turnout? I mean, DeSantis has said it and others have said it. Florida actually has a good one because of what they've built over time, starting with Rick Scott and into Ron DeSantis. Um, what, what, what is confusing about this? And yet the resources aren't there, the personnel isn't there, and the programs are not there. Not yet. Not right now. And it's the same thing with uh, the Cleta Mitchell memo that we brought you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, detailing the problems and the vulnerabilities uh, of uh, of persons, non-citizens voting in federal elections against federal law because of the National Voter Registration Act and the uh, loopholes it provides, as well as uh, the act, the federal statute governing overseas voting. So what is being done about this? People what is being done about this? Not be able the citizenship. Vote. Yeah, it what should be a should not be able to. Yeah, no kidding. Well, so what is being done to implement? It's like standing on the sidelines and saying that shouldn't happen. Right. Well, well, it's it's doing? happening. Yes. So what are you going to do about it? And why isn't there the uh, where there are the resources and the personnel to implement programs that address these clear gaps in the Republican Party's election infrastructure? There should be a some focus on that conversation. And I, I know people that are involved in this and they're doing the work that the RNC doesn't seem at present capable of doing in some of these swing states. So this is how I, I know some of this. But but there needs to be more hands on deck, something that Ken Blackwell said, too. So um, Ralph and Wilmette and the others that are election judges and so forth. I mean, even if it's a state that's not in play like Illinois, there are still perhaps um, – some best practices that can be figured out or some litigation that can be initiated to put a chill on what the Dems may have in mind, particularly, again, for those weak spots that Cleta Mitchell identified, in addition to, you know, building real programs that could be modeled, like Florida has a program that should be modeled for vote by mail. We'll see. I mean, it requires it requires party leadership. I mean, you just can't really get around it. Part party and donor leadership for outside organizations. That's what you need, especially with, uh, you know, T minus nine months to go. Eight months. Uh, James in Naples. Neighbor. Yeah. Good morning. I uh, just wanted to compliment you on having such a great show. Thank you for keeping the Jimmy Lai story front and center and for having such interesting guests like uh, Professor Epstein. But I just want to make a comment that two things can be uh, true at once. Joe Biden is an imbecile, and Joe Biden is at the top of his game. (laughs) Fair enough. That's a good point. Hadn't thought about it quite that way. Uh, The poet laureate of Chicago's Morning Answer, that would be Joe in Arlington Heights. Good morning. 
you know, early in the week, you were talking about transgenderism and, uh, and referred to Richard Levine, please call me Rachel. And I got this brain worm of seeing him in front of committee when he was going through hearings for, for confirmation. And it was just an ugly dude looking like a girl, you know. And I, this phrase jumped in my mind, the days of insanity have come to humanity. So the poem is called Redrawing of Lines, and that's what started it. The days of insanity have come to humanity. Fewer and fewer can see the absurdity foisted upon we. People of faith, charity, and hope, filling about just trying to cope, getting caught in a web of lies meant to destroy the meek and the wise. The great big brother has replaced father and mother. The blessings of God's word by fewer and fewer are heard. It's the redrawing of lines, contradicting natural design that accelerates our slide into confusion and lies. Although only two genders remain, big medicine promotes the insane as truth and wisdom are denied. The onslaught is intensified. Our institutions have fallen to the evil and craven. So many convinced that God's truth is a myth. So where do you stand, faithful woman and man? Will you lovingly speak the truth, especially to our youth? Society can't be built on lies. Don't accept reality denied. Remain strong and fight the battle long. Very good, Joe. This is why he's the Poet Laureate of Chicago's Morning Answer. Uh, that deserves a polite golf clap. That was very good. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Thank well, you. well constructed. Really good. Uh, Joe, send that email that to me too. I want to post that. Uh, get Joe back and make sure he emails that to us so that we can post it. We got to post, start posting his work. Maybe put together a uh, Chicago Morning Answer book of poetry. Amy, you can contribute a dirty limerick. Yeah, you know, let me work on something over the weekend. I'll get back yeah. to you. Uh, speaking of uh, what uh, Joe had to say, speaking of his prose, mm-hmm. we have audio <laughs> of this monster, Fran. Fran, the 90-year-old volunteer for 60 years at the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. Her husband died from multiple sclerosis, so she volunteers in his honor, but she can't anymore. She got uh, notified by the head office. (laughs) She's no longer allowed to volunteer because for the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. 90-year-old Fran, who's been a volunteer for 60 years, lost her husband in multiple sclerosis, cannot volunteer because... She violated the die policy when it comes to pronoun usage. I was confused. I didn't know what it was, what it meant. Uh, And I'd seen it on a couple of uh, letters that had come in after the person's name. They had the pronouns, but I didn't know what that meant. And so finally, when I was talking to her, I thought, I'll ask, what does it mean? And uh you know let her tell me and so she said that meant that they were include all inclusive which didn't make sense to me because it, it sounds like you're uh, uh, labeling or labeling uh for females and not males if you're just putting in she her she or, said that she was just asking her what it meant to have a conversation so as a 90 year old who didn't know what it meant you know she's not street savvy <laughs> to find out what it meant. Yeah. And when she said that they were required 
to use it to be inclusive. And my mom was saying I, I, that we've always been the MS Society as a whole and the Long and Beach group. Yeah, group has just always been inclusive. A few days later, uh, it was on a Friday. At, was it four fifty? At four fifty-eight, which we thought was odd, but I anyway, at the end of the day, end of the week, I got an email from her saying that. Uh, they were sorry, but they had to ask me to step down as a volunteer for the MS Society. And the reason being is that you're not inclusive enough. The verbiage I, she said was, was that she didn't abide by their diversity, equity, and inclusion. So they have yeah. to ask her to step down and she can't be a part of the MS Society as a, as a volunteer, as a, which as to me volunteer. is ironic because they're saying... They're being inclusive, but yet they're excluding a 90-year-old disabled woman who volunteers for over 60 years, <laughs> you know, and then and literally the sole purpose is to help the MS patients and find a cure. And that's what we're and, there for. You know, keep helping with uh, volunteering as, as much as she can, which has literally been her 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 well, whole life. That's literally all she does. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that Fran is just a monster. Uh, Better watch what, out, society. What a, <laughs> I mean, I hope she doesn't live in your neighborhood. Let me tell you something, Miss yeah. Fran. Miss doesn't use the proper pronouns. Ignorance of die diktats is no defense. Do not darken the door of the MS Society. <laughs> I mean, I'm never giving them a dime. Right. Could, could you be more ridiculous? Could you be a more ridiculous person than whoever sent that email to ninety-year-old Fran? Shame, this is who you're. Shame, shame, shame. Do, do, do people right? You understand who you're dealing with, and it's the same. And elected officials, uh, I forget the city of Chicago. No, no, nobody gets off that scot-free. All over the leafy suburbs, populated by well-educated, successful professionals. Your leadership is not different than the MS Society bureaucrat who just kicked out 90-year-old Fran from volunteering. It's the same. They're the same people. Your legislators, your municipal officials, I mean, there are exceptions, of course. But that, that culture that must be uh, the MS Society's culture, that's the culture in Chicago suburbs, too, with few exceptions. Now does it register? Uh, Chris South Loop, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. You guys are so wonderful. I really appreciate everything you do. Thank you. Um, I, I'm a former election administrator, and I really appreciated uh, Ken Blackwell earlier. I just want to mention to the audience, I think, Dan, you, you've said this, and Amy, I know you're aware of it. It's really 365 days a year that you have to guard the integrity mm -hmm of the electoral process. And um, when I was commissioner of elections in the city of Chicago, every year I met with the chairman of the RNC or Haley Barber. I mean, there were probably five or six that I dealt with. And, you know, every year I said, we have to have a Republican election administrator association so that we can focus on this. And every year they would nod. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And they turn to some, you know, 23 year old and say, what, uh, give me a follow-up memo on this. And, <laughs> you know, unfortunately nothing ever happened. And 
And I, I just want to say, you know, we have election administrators from Hawaii or Guam, for that matter, from Guam to Puerto Rico and from Texas to Alaska. And at each, each one of these has got a monthly meeting and they've got a docket and they've got a staff. And I regret to inform anybody who's listening to this program, 98 percent of those staffers are Democrat activists. Mm-hmm. And those staffers are controlling the agendas of the monthly meetings of the election um, administrators. And so even if you've got a place where, like in Chicago, there's a Republican commissioner, there are two Democrat commissioners, but at least you have a look into what's happening. In DuPage County, they somehow came up with an idea where instead of having two Republican administrators and one Democrat, they gave it all to a Democrat county clerk. And you're getting exactly the results out there that you would expect. And generally speaking, the Cook County clerk is an activist, partisan Democrat, and she is unrelenting in her attempt to suppress votes that are legitimate and uh, promote votes that are, and this is the sort of the one final key, any time a ballot leaves the possession of the election administration into the hands of someone other than the identified voter, Okay, to be returned in a polling place, you got a problem. And that that's what, you know, the movie 10,000 Mules was about. And that's what we've all known about, the illegal assistance that takes place in nursing homes in Chicago on, you know, four days before the election starts. Vote, elections were stolen in Chicago in nursing homes before the Tuesday of the election, because nursing home voting would begin on a Friday morning. So the Republicans have just never gotten into this groove. And it's the only thing that the left cares about, because as you were just displaying with this, you know, lovely 90 year old lady, the left is unrelenting in its pursuit of the revolution. And so the 90 year old lady is thrown on the trash heap of history. 60 years of of, of volunteering doesn't matter. And the the Democrat staffers who are in there nibbling away day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. And the Trump 20 camp, anybody who likes President Trump ought to really internalize the fact that when he fired his campaign manager in 20, he totally disrupted. He, he, He overturned the tables. Of, of, of watching these election administrators, because that guy who got kicked out knew something about this. And the guys who went in knew nothing about this. And look at what the hell happened. Excuse and me for saying that. Chris, we got we got to go. But thanks for the call. I appreciate it. you're right about it being a 365 day job too, starting with cleaning the voter rolls, which we need to talk about more as well. Chuck and Delavan to close it out quickly, Chuck. Hey, thanks for uh, mentioning my uh, waddling, waddling up to the stand. Hey, Two weeks ago, I won first place in a chili cookout. Last week, I got second place. Tomorrow, come visit me at the archives. I met 10 of your WIND listeners last week at DJ's in a Drink. They came out and they supported me. So thank you, all your supporters. Thank you. Thanks, Chuck. There's only one radio show in Chicago talking about today's biggest stories and telling you what they really mean. That show is this one. Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank.
Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. 